Right on, my friends. Welcome to the MR Running Pains podcast, episode number 67. I'm Aaron Saft, and today, as promised, uh, I have the uh, final piece of the tale of Natalie Daniel and her brute challenge. Uh, she finished up the five runs that we've talked about previous. Um, I'll put the episode in the show notes, the previous episode. So if you want to hear the whole tale, you can go back and listen if you haven't done so already. Um, I also have, as a second part to this uh, episode, Charles Raffensperger. Uh, Charles is the creator of the Brute Challenge, so we get to talk to him and hear about uh, how he came up with this and also his adventures. Um, Charles uh, has been running for quite some time and has a lot of awesome awesome experiences. He even talks about doing a lap at, uh, at Barclays, so um, you know, listen to the, the second part of that episode. And then after Charles' interview, uh, we'll wrap up as we usually do and, uh, and talk about things that are going on. So uh, first up, Natalie Daniel. I'd like to welcome back Natalie Daniel to the podcast. Miss Natalie, even though we just said hello before this, how are you doing? <laughs> Good, how are you doing? <laughs> Still doing well. <laughs> uh, so um, Natalie has just completed the um, the Brute Challenge, which, um, Natalie, do you want to give us the, an acronym for what the Brute Challenge stands for and what the races are, or the, is, me, the runs are? It is the Blue Ridge Ultra Trail trail. Oh crap. Now I've forgotten what it is. The Blue Ridge Ultra Trail Endurance Endurance um, Challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Give you a little help there. Sorry about that. I had a That's brain fart. Happens to me all the time. It's hard when you do a podcast and you have brain farts all the time. That's that's mine. And, you know, I, I pray that the listeners are, uh, are forgiving. But, um, so uh, we had just kind of gone over before we started recording um, the order in which you did these events, these uh, <clears throat> these uh, routes, and the idea is um, to complete them within a calendar year. Is that correct? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, or within, I guess it's supposed to be a calendar year or within 365 days. So um, I guess the calendar year would be from January to December, but. Okay. Um, yeah. Sweet. So, um, the, uh, the first one you did and it, we, we talked about this on, uh, on our last episode. And for those that, that missed this last episode, I'll put the, uh, the link in the show notes, uh, so you can go back and, and hear about this more, but, uh, your first run was which? The Foothills Trail. The Foothills Trail, which was, uh, almost a year ago, right? Yes, it was, um, it was May 1st, um, of last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you started May first last year at this, and you had this challenge in mind when you started that. No, I did not know about this challenge when I did that. I just okay. um, I used it as a replacement for GDR since GDR was canceled. Gotcha, gotcha. When did you learn about the brew challenge? Probably, um, I would say maybe August or September of last year. Okay, right on. Um, which. Um, makes sense because you had quite a gap because your second run was the Georgia loop, right? Yes. 
And um, so that was in December. So you went about what, five or I guess six, no, seven months, <laughs> about yeah. seven months. Yeah. Okay. Um, was there any reason for that gap? Well, for one, I didn't know about it. And then also um, I had fall races that I had um, one in September, um, a hundred miler in October. And then one, um, basically I had a race every month. Um, so there wasn't really any time for me to do any more of these runs until after I finished my races. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so Georgia loop. Um, and then, uh, this is the one we spent a lot of time in and on the last podcast, which, uh, was Massanut in which you had to take two attempts at because of the, uh, the injury. <laughs> um, yeah. so, and that was February. Um, and that's so that we recorded, um, uh, after Massanut and, and, um, you, you had said on the podcast, you were going to give yourself about four to six weeks to recover. Uh, but, uh, I guess quickly changed your mind <laughs> and went after Pitchell. <laughs> what was the, uh, impetus for, uh, you know, for that, that quick turnaround, just the window. <laughs> so, well, I was looking at the weather and the weather for the weekend that I did it, it was going to be really nice. But then after that, I think there was an expected snowstorm and a lot of rain. And, um, I just, I'm not one to put myself under in those situations in bad weather. I mean, you know, you're already dealing with being out there by yourself. Um, so I was like, well, the weather looks good. I thought that I was recovered enough, but, um, you know, we can get into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, the weather looked good. So that was basically it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Pitchell, um, you know, a lot of folks are going to know Pitchell, but, um, if you would just kind of break down, um, distance elevation gain, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, I, I believe it's, I got like 62 miles, but I think it's closer to 66. Um, right. you probably know that better. Um, and then elevation gain is close to 16, I believe. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think the hard thing about Pitchell is that, you know, you get almost the first 50 K is either relative, I wouldn't say flat, but relatively flat and downhill. And, um, like 80% of the gain is in the last 25 miles. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yep. Yeah. When you're, when you're heading up to Mitchell. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, and for those that aren't familiar with our area, it follows the mountains to sea trail. So, um, Pitchell gets its name from it starts on Mount Pisgah. So um, you have to hike up uh, Mount Pisgah, which is about a mile and a half and about 1500 feet of gain, but that's not part of the route. Um, That's just, you know, getting to the start and starting on the summit and then running back down, which gets you onto um, our shut in trail. And then you just follow the mountains to see all the way to to Mount Mitchell. Um, So um, yeah, 66 miles is, is, it sounds about right. And 16,000 feet of gain. So, um, (laughs) so you had this, this kind of short turnaround. How are the, how are the legs going into that? Well, the legs were good. Um, I would say the first 50 (laughs) K I was actually able to run um, quite a bit of that. Although I was pretty cautious because I had fallen, um, you know, that fall at Massanutten and then I did the midnight start. So I was pretty cautious 
on the way down from uh, Mount Pisgah um, in the in the dark. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to take a chance on falling and hitting my head again since I was out there by myself because um, I did do it unsupported. Okay. Um, so my legs felt fine. The only thing was my foot, one, my, I think it was my left foot was bothering me and I couldn't figure out what in the world was going on until after I finished running. And I realized that I remember my cat had clawed me on the top of my foot like the day before. (laughs) And if I'd known that I wouldn't have even paid attention to it, but I was thinking, you know, my shoe was too tight or, you know, I was having some kind of tendon issue and it was just my stupid cat. Oh, so, um, just in, in reference, what was the turnaround time from, um, Massanutten in February to Pitchell in March? How many, how many weeks? I think it was like 10 days. 10 days. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So, uh, you, you did do the midnight start, uh, which is kind of the tradition for Pitchell. Um, uh, and the reason for that tradition <clears throat> is that Mount Mitchell state park where we finish, uh, it is gated at night, so the park does close. So you know it, it gives the most people the best opportunity to finish uh, and still be able to get out of the park. Um, so that's that's the reason for the midnight start. But yeah, it, that is um, it's a treacherous start <laughs> with all of the the rocks coming back down and such. That's uh, it's a little bit scary. But um, as you move down, shut in. Um, you know, like uh, as Natalie said, you you lose a ton you go downhill it's 5,000 feet of descending down to the French broad river. So legs actually held up pretty well then. You know, oh yeah. 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 Okay, good. Um, and then like you described, it is pretty flat till you get to the full cart. And that's when a lot of the climbing starts. Um, you were self-supported. So, um, talk to me about what you had packed. How much did you pack? Um, let's see. I, ha- I think I had like two soft flasks of water. I mean, of tailwind and then a full bladder of water, and then um, I carried my water, my Sawyer filter, and um, but I, I ended up only filtering once, kind of, I think about mile 20 or 21, okay. um, which was a mistake, but I probably should have filtered one more time because I did end up running out of uh, uh, water right at the very end. I think with two miles left, I ran out of water, but um, so I carried that and um I have been carrying sweet potatoes. I carried some spring energy, um, beef jerky or like little slim gems, fruit cups and baggies. Um, I try to carry more of real food versus, um, gel. I don't use goo. Um, so, and then of course I had my bivy sack and then my emergency blanket. And then I had, um, a first aid kit. Uh, that I will probably carry with me all the time now. And um, I had a waist lamp and a headlamp and a spare headlamp just in case. Um, Extra layers just in case, which I never needed because it was so warm. But, um, you know, all the the regular stuff. I think I might have had an extra pair of socks somewhere in there just in case. (laughs) But (laughs) What pack did you have? That's a a uh, well, Nathan at the Ultra Running Company, he gave me um, like a seven to eight year old uh, Solomon 12 set. Oh, okay. So that's what I've been using. Um, yeah, it's a nice it, pack. Yeah, it's been working pretty good, uh, especially now that I finally figured out how to cinch everything down better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, like, it's amazing how stretchy that material is because you can really kind of 
cram stuff in there. Um, but, um, no, that's, that's great. So, um, only filtered one at mile 20. So that would have put you, um, pretty much down by the French broad, um, just past it kind of in between, uh, there and, uh, um, highway 25. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> so you're moving along pretty well there. That's good. And, uh, you got to the folk art center. Uh, it's about 50 K roughly 50 K. Yeah. Uh, and then, then the climbing started, uh, we're using poles. Yeah. I, I use, I carried poles the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And th- how did the, how did the climbing go? What, what did the back half feel yeah. like? Well, so I guess that would have put you somewhere like already into the morning hours. Yeah. So it, it would have already been dawn by that time. Right. Yeah. Eight o'clock. I remember eight, it was like right at eight o'clock. I made it to the folk art center because I texted, um, my ride who was going to meet me at Mount Mitchell. I texted him and I texted my husband to let them know I was about halfway at eight o'clock. Um, and I was doing really well. I was even running after that. Cause you know, it's kind of, it's not, you're not climbing that much right after the folk art center. Well, once you, um, I'm not sure exactly what the peak is, but one, there's like one climb after that. And then you're kind of, it's um, rolling for a while. And I was still able to run pretty well in that section. But I remember once I passed Rattlesnake Lodge and I think that's around mile 40 or so mm-hmm. um, when the real climbing started. And then you're going up towards Lane Pinnacle and all that. That's right. when, um, that's when I really started feeling it. And um, I still felt good though. I, I felt good all the way through that. Um, craggy. Um, I was feeling really, really good pretty much the whole time until um, I think it's mile fifty or so, or mile fifty-five. And I should remember the name of the uh, climb, but it's like. You know how it starts to get more, um, you see all the, the um, I call them Christmas trees. It's more. Yes. Yeah, you cross the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Walker, I think it's the Walker's Knob Overlook or something. Yes. And from then on, and I don't know if it's because it's a higher elevation or what, I just started feeling so nauseous and I started having a hard time swallowing again. Mm. Um. And like, I didn't want any of like my Slim Jim. I, I couldn't even swallow that. I chewed it up and I ended up having to spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, just that at that point, I was, I wished I had had more like fruit cups and things that I could almost just drink. Yeah. Um, you were out of your fruit cups. Yes. Yeah. I ran out. But <laughs> 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 um, so at that point, it's like, I just, I felt like I was stuck in a time warp, um, that like it, even when it wasn't climbing, it's so technical. I was moving so slowly and, oh, I I know it was around mile 50, uh, 55 or so, because I remember texting, um, and telling that I was in single digits Nice. and, um, and you know, which you would think, okay, it's not going to be that much longer, but it ended up being quite a bit longer after that. <laughs> so that's the way pitcher works. <laughs> that especially that those last few miles going, you know, uh, going up Mitchell. Um, but um, do you carry a, a Garmin like an inReach or anything like that? Or yeah, I, I had an inReach, so that was very helpful. But then you know, like so, my ride once, uh, Josh. I, I, you know, Josh Foland. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, 
he was up at Mitchell and he wasn't getting a signal. Okay. So he didn't, he couldn't tell where I was at. He ended up going to the ranger station and getting a signal so he could um, see where I was at. And, mm-hmm. and that helped him a lot. But um, yeah, I had an in reach. So you had the tracking on for that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. 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 Um, did you have any problems with navigation? Uh, did you have any problems with keeping on the trail? Not at, no, not during Pitchell, um, because I had done pretty much the only section I had a hard time with was, um, at the very, very end, like literally at the very end, when you're going up old Mitchell, um, there's a sign and it says MST one way and the other way. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> which, which, and my, my, uh, my waist light had died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no backup battery. Um, no, but I have one now. <laughs> Good. Good. So, uh, so you're going up Mitchell and it, it was already getting dark on you. Um, but how was it during the day? You said that the temperatures were a little bit warm. Uh, how warm did it get on you? It was really warm. And I, I don't know why I decided to wear capris and I, the whole time I kept thinking, man, I wish I'd have worn some shorts or a skirt or something because I was so hot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like I had on a short sleeve shirt and capris, and I was still like I get really, really hot. Um, so I was stopping and cooling off where I could, you know, dipping my. I had arm sleeves, so I was dipping my arm sleeves in the water. Um, you know, I had a buff, so I was like dipping that in the water and you know trying to cool off that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it it just got. I think it was. In, it seemed like it was in the seventies. Okay. Gotcha. And which would have, you know, at that time, that would have been like a, a surprise to the system because <laughs> we really <laughs> hadn't had any, any hot weather yet. Um, right. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're, uh, you're climbing up uh, Mitchell, which, yeah, that, that's a, it's a technical kind of <clears throat> debacle to get up that anyway. It's just slow going. But the, the section before that, you come off a Walker knob and cross over the, uh, the park entrance road. Um, that's pretty nice and flat. Were you able to do some running there or was the stomach too bad? Walker's knob. Is that, um, uh, you know, when you, you come out of, uh, of Walker's knob, that's the, the climb that we were talking about. And then you cross over the road. That's the, um, Mount Mitchell entrance road. It's like highway one twenty. Oh yeah. And then you kind of, you just go down onto the trail and it's like an old railroad bed. Uh, there's like a few creeks that run across it, but it's pretty wide. Um, and it's just flat, you know, pretty flat grade for a while. Um, do you remember that section or was that like the Buncombe horse trail? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Buncombe yeah. Horse. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and that I did make up time on that. I was able yeah. to, but the thing was that, you know, how, when you're coming down, um, you're coming down before you get to that, it started, there, there was no rain in the forecast that I had seen, but it started raining around that section. And that was right around getting close to sunset. So, um, and then it just, once I got on the Buncombe horse trail, it just started dumping. And um, then of course, you know, you're getting higher up. So I started getting a little cooler, but yeah, I was able, I was able to kind of jog. And then, um, and even when I was walking, I was still walking like a 16 minute mile. So um, I was able to make up time on that. but, and that's when, like, I, I was, when I was about three miles away, I texted Josh again and told him, you know, hey, I'm about three miles away, but he never got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that caused a slight problem. But yeah, I mean, 
I liked that section a lot to make up time. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty too. Uh, well, and was it getting dark at that time, or was it? You still had dark. Time? It was dark. Yeah. 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 It's pretty during the day because it's just kind of a nice kind of tunnel, you know, that you're just running through. Um, you know, I mean, that, that course has so many views and everything, but that is a pretty section. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a nice way to, you know, to <laughs> to take a relief from all the climbing you just did. And then, you know, you've got the, the final climb up to the top. But um, so your final climb up the top, was your stomach getting any better? Did you have any more luck as as you got closer to the finish or no? No, no, I, I felt I felt pretty cruddy um, oh. from, from all the way to the end, but it, it was okay. I mean, I'm used to that, and I'm starting to think that maybe. Uh, and I know some people will disagree with this, but I really think I'm just very, very sensitive to any sort of altitude, because um, I have noticed that I've been having that issue anytime I get over a certain um, elevation. I think you had mentioned that. Um... Uh, with the art lobe that you just attempted, which we can talk about in a little bit, but didn't you mention that in your post, how you, you kind of had that sensitivity still? Yes. And during scar, which we'll talk about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you know, where did the, um, so I, I think you said when you hit Walker knob, that's when the stomach really started getting sensitive. Yes, it was. Yeah really starting to get really bad yeah. you're you're well over five thousand feet at that point so, right yeah you're over a mile and then you know as you uh, obviously you get a mitchell you're over six thousand so um <clears throat> so yeah so um when did the park close it closed at eight o'clock um okay. so uh, you know coming off the, the bunkum horse trail you turn on the the old i guess it's the old mitchell trail mm -hmm. um and, you know, I start hiking up that and you know how technical that is. And it's, yep. it's kind of scrambling. And then about that time, my um, waist lamp died. So I'm trying to hike up old Mitchell with my phone in my hand because my headlamp, it just wasn't giving off any light. It didn't seem like. Oh. Um, so I have my poles in one hand and my phone in the other hand, just like, and it just seemed like it was the longest trail ever, but it's really only what a mile or a mile and a half at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I finally get off of that and I'm walking up the road and I hear Josh yelling from the very top. He's like, he said, you scared me. <laughs> <laughs> he was really fussing at me because he, he was so worried that, you know, he hadn't heard from me in so long. He thought that I was out there just lost in the woods. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, you should know I'll be, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, you know, I got to the top and he had a chair um, waiting for me down, um, you know, after I actually summited and everything, he had a chair waiting for me and um, it, he was nice enough. He brought me a Coke and even gave me a payday because <laughs> uh, I was starving. And by that yeah. time, though, it was like, you know, it was clear once you got off of Mitchell, but it was just wailing. The, it was storming, and um, the weather was terrible. It was so foggy. We had no visibility coming back down, you know, driving back to Mount Pisgah. Mm -hmm. um, and it was crazy because once we got off of Mitchell, you know, once we got down so low, like, it was completely clear. That's bizarre. <laughs> That's so bizarre. Like, that's exactly what I was going to say. It has a better weather system. 
just like uh, Mount Washington up in New Hampshire. It's like it's got its own weather system up there. Right. Um, but um, no problems with the the feet or anything like that. Um, you, I mean, you don't get too wet on that course, which is nice. Uh, you know that that last bit of uh, bunkum horse. There's like I said, there's you know some creek crossings, but um, overall your feet don't get too wet. Did did your feet hold up pretty well? Oh yeah, yeah. I was completely dry until that last uh, four or five miles. Yeah. Right um, um, what, do you, what do you use for anti-chafe? Just out of curiosity. Um, I actually use bag balm. Um, What's it my called? Friend, bag balm. It, it's bag used balm. for like cow's udders. Okay. Um, so my friend recommended that to me because I was using Vaseline and it wasn't it wasn't sticking as much. And the bag, I, I hate to say this because at the store we sell lots of other stuff, but. Um, <laughs> it's just cheaper and it works really well. Um, I, I really never have any issues with chafing, um, unless there's like other issues. Yeah. Okay. What is it? Uh, is it like, what's it based with? Is it, uh, like a petroleum base or. I think so. I, I I'd have to look at the can, but, um, do you, where do you find that? Um, well, I get mine at Walmart, but you can buy it online. Um, okay. I mean, you can buy it pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I use a, a Boudreaux's butt paste, <laughs> like a diaper rash cream. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's zinc oxide based, but it, it doesn't come off. And I mean, you know, you're, you're completely white. I mean, your hands and everything, you know, cause it, when you put it on your, it doesn't come off your hands. <laughs> so it's like, you're, you know, trying to wipe it everywhere, but it, it, your shorts are a mess and bad, but it's uh it works. I mean, you know, uh, it, it definitely doesn't come off like even in like really humid stuff. So, um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I know the run shops, you know, they carry like the, the squirrel nut butter and the, you know, body glide and, uh, the, the two Tom's product, um, you know, all those different ones. Uh, but like, like I said, I, <laughs> I found the, the baby diaper rash stuff is, <laughs> is the best stuff for me, but, um, anyhow, um, okay. So finish that. Um, and, um, you had one left, right? <laughs> one Hi. left. To do. Yeah. Um, did you um like did you always have in your mind that Scar would be last or was there any intention in the order in which you did these? Well, originally I thought that I was gonna do Scar for or Scar and then Pitchell, but because I really didn't think that the parkway was gonna be open as soon as mm -hmm. it was. But the weather, like I said, I mean the weather had just been so nice um that the parkway was finally open. And that's another that was another reason why I did it. Cause I'm like, Oh, the parkway's open. I need to just go ahead and get it done. Yeah. Um, because it can be so finicky, you know? If, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Not. When I talked to uh, Kyle Curtin with his FKT on Pitchell, um, he had to hike four and a half miles to the start because the parkway was closed. And then he had a hike from Mitchell down to the black mountain campground to get to his ride. So, you know, another six miles after finishing. So, you know, not only did he do the, uh, <laughs> the pitchel route, but he added on an additional, basically 10 to 11 miles of, of additional hiking <laughs> just to, you know, because of parkway closures. Um, so yeah, if, if people are going to do pitchels, just make sure, cause the parkway can close for various reasons, but especially, you know, as Natalie was saying in the, the winter and spring and even some of the fall months, uh, you know, if there's any kind of inclement weather, 
they definitely close it like really easily. So definitely creates challenges. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I didn't want to do all that extra hiking. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kyle had his dad like ride his bike into, you know, various points so that, you know, he could meet up with him. So, um, you know, it, it definitely creates a lot of logistical challenges, but, um, but yeah, and you know, um, I think I did mine in like, yeah, I did a July 4th one year. Um, and it, it was, I mean, you know, it was warm. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it, you know, it, those higher altitudes, it's, you know, it's actually a little bit cooler. So, um, you know, I know the, the traditional time is fall, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those runs that I think, you know, especially you have a nice day. It's, it's, uh, it's such a beautiful route. So, um, and I, I saw some of your pictures too. So <laughs> you always take some really great pictures. So you had, uh, mentioned the run shop. Um, that's a ultra run company, right? With yeah. Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, Nathan just reached out as well. So I, I'm sure he'll listen to this episode and, and hear us talking about other products than what he sells. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to have an episode with him coming up as well. Um, oh. So um, Scar, um, Scar uh, is, is probably, it's known, you know, I wouldn't say it's probably as well known as Pitchell. Pitchell seems to be getting a lot of attention, um, to, but I'm sure a lot of people know what Scar is, but if you would, um, just talk about SCAR a little bit and uh, where that is, what it is, et cetera. So SCAR is the, the um, Appalachian Trail that runs through the Smokies. Um, it goes from Fontana Dam to Davenport Gap or vice versa, whichever direction you want to do it in. I think most people start at Fontana and go to Davenport Gap. Um, it's about 76 uh, miles and um, what about 18,000 feet of gain mm-hmm. or so um, mm-hmm. that, that, it was a little bit more because I remember getting to 18 and I was mad that I was still climbing but yeah <laughs> <laughs> which way did you go I went from the dam from Fontana Dam to Davenport Gap nice nice uh, and unsupported uh, no I actually did have support for that one because this one, I wasn't going after any FKT or anything. I just wanted to finish the Brutes Challenge because yeah, um, yeah. the unsupported and supported are so fast. I there was no chance. So I'm like, I'm at least I'm just going to have fun on this one. <laughs> we should touch back on that. Uh, did you get the unsupported for Pitchell? Yes. And what was the finishing time for that? Uh, um, I think it was 1953. I think I had like seven minutes before the park closed. the ranger actually uh drove behind us and locked the gate (laughs) (laughs) and gave you the boot (laughs) yeah no he was really really nice though he was waiting um so yeah i was very thankful that they didn't lock us in (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely oh gosh um right on so um scar um starting at fontana um, I haven't done SCAR personally, so I know less about it, but what I have heard from that one, and it's, it's probably a wise decision to be supported is there's less water out on, on that course. Is that, is that true? Um, people say that, but I don't know, maybe if it was just good this time of year, I didn't experience that. But also again, I don't filter water a lot. I carry, I don't drink as much as I should probably, but it works for me. Um, I hadn't, I had no issues. Like okay. there's, um, at the shelters, there's usually water, 
Um, and as long as, you know, I always carry a full bladder almost and then two soft flasks. And when I do filter, I fill up my bladder and then I fill up my soft flask. So, okay. Um, that's fair. And, um, how often were you able to see crew? Um, well, there's only one, there's really only one crew access and that's it. Um, uh, newfound gap, which is around mile 40 or so, maybe 41. Um, that, that was the only time and I was unsupported through that. Um, so I did the first 40 miles by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I did the last 50 K or so with a friend. Okay. Nice. And how, how long had it been since you had completed Pitchell? Um, about three and a half weeks. So you gave yourself a little bit of rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you were also under the kind of a, a deadline too, right? To, to kind of complete the, the series uh, within your 365 days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know it sounds crazy, but I was just thinking like if something happened and I wasn't able to finish, for some reason this time, you know, at least that would give me a buffer and I could go back out and reattempt it before May 1st. Um, I didn't want to do that, but at least I had the option if I went ahead and just did it. And again, the weather was good. So that was kind of, um, you know, I wanted to do it while the weather was good. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, and we probably should you know, touch on, I don't think we talked about it in the last one, you know, do you know who came up with the boot challenge? Um, I think, it was Charles Raffensperger. That's what I thought. Okay. That's, yeah, he has the whole write-up. There's a there's a web page yeah. and everything yeah. for it. Right, right. Okay. I thought it was Charles. I was just making sure. Um, I'll put the, the website in the show notes for those that are interested in seeing this and, and hearing more about the, the courses. Um, Charles has made up a few cool um, you know, kind of challenges like this. So um, kudos to him. Maybe we'll have to have him on the episode sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, somebody that can come up with all the – I mean, he didn't come up yeah. with the routes, but just the no, you know, doing these five routes. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun. I'm putting him on my, my idea board <laughs> for future <laughs> podcasts because uh, he would be a great interview too. He's uh, yeah. such a cool guy. Um, him and Psyche, they're, they're wonderful people. Um, so, um, okay, let's talk a little bit about Scar because, as I said, I don't know as much about it. I, I really haven't, and I don't think I've rushed really well, maybe a little bit of that. because uh, you go through kind of that uh, Charlie's Bunyan area, like Newfound Gap, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I've run just a little portion of it, but I like honestly, I, I've, I've not run any of the AT from Fontana. How was that? Well, it starts out. Um, like you're on the road because you have to go across the you have to go across the, the dam. dam, yeah, and then um, and then you're going up the road for a minute. But then, soon, I mean, even as you're going up the road, you're kind of climbing a little bit. But the climbing starts almost immediately, um, and then it's like you never really stop climbing until you get to um, uh, Cleanman's Dome. Um, but it's it. I will say it's beautiful. The the whole route is just gorgeous. I mean, the, the Appalachian trail is so well maintained. Um, they, they do everything, but both like just blow it off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's really nice. You know, um, I guess this time of year, there's a lot of through hikers. So there were a lot of, lot of like through hikers. Um, I ran into a lot of people. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's, it was nice to hear their stories. It was a little frustrating at the end, you know, kind of leapfrogging with a couple through hikers who, you know, I would stop and, and I'll get into that. But 
um, it was, there were a lot more people than what I'm used to on these types of runs. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, excuse me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Excuse, excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Pardon me, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, I came up on this one guy that was through hiking, man, he was going really fast, but then I, I got to a point where I could run some, but, um, I don't think he was aware of me at all because it, he had his earbuds in and he was singing some kind of country music to, at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and that was funny. That's awesome. Um, but, what time, what time of day did you start for this? I started around one o'clock. Um, my husband had to work the night before and I was like, yeah, well, whenever you get up, that's when we'll go. Um, so we got up, ate breakfast um, and got there around one o'clock. Yeah, it's a it's quite a haul to get out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. What was it like? I think it was like three for three you, or yeah. four hours. Yeah, it was. A, it, it, was takes, a, yeah, it takes us even two two and a half to to get out there because it's just yeah. you know it's just out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. It is gorgeous. Um, it is beautiful out there. Um, and you know they do such like you said the the, the AT yeah just the trail crews just do such incredible work out there. Um, did you have, cause you know, this is kind of, well, I guess it's kind of late spring, but that it had, it looked like they had been out there much kind of, you know, clearing blowdowns and all that stuff. Um, I, it always looks good. I yeah. mean, yeah, I didn't have any issues with that. I remember with a lot of blowdowns, um, awesome. that was the, the one issue I didn't have. Um, cool. so yeah, <laughs> this cool. one, this was my roughest run out of, I think all of them though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you feeling the miles? <laughs> um, well, it started out, I got my COVID shot. Um, mm. Let's see, I, I did the run on Sunday. I got my shot on Thursday. Um, and I guess maybe I was still feeling not 100% from that. And then um, I had some other issues going on, um, like female issues. Yeah. And then the a big thing was I didn't get to eat. I didn't really get to eat before because um, I'd eaten breakfast, but I didn't eat. We were going to stop and get lunch and we get past a certain point and there's like nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I had a pack of crackers and oh, I think so, <laughs> <laughs> I think I went in a little depleted already and like I was feeling it. I was ready to quit around mile four. I was oh, like, geez. oh my God, I'm so I like, this is hard. But what was funny is that as I fell, I was still ahead of my time goal. Hmm. So, um, you know, and, and I'm just like, well, you know, I feel bad sometimes. I'll just suck it up. But um, I just never felt better. I felt pretty crappy almost the whole time and um, and just like calorie depleted the whole time. <laughs> was that shot number one that you had had? Was it the what? Was that shot number one or shot number two? Oh, no, that was I only did it one time. Oh, you did the Johnson Johnson? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, did, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was the, it was the first shot. Yeah, it was the um, yeah, which is supposed to be not that bad, but I swear the first shot was worse than the second. My arm was unbelievably sore, um, and I think that somebody said you have to hydrate really well, and I did not do that. So my headache was really really bad afterwards. Mm. Um. So, uh, sorry, I misunderstood your question at no, first. Okay. <laughs> but, um, and I know different people react differently. Um, yes. 
like I said, the second shot, I didn't really feel anything. Um, my arm wasn't sore, but also somebody said, if you work out your arm right after, um, it won't be a sore. So I was like doing these arm lifts and, um, doing all this weird stuff after my second shot to make sure that my arm wasn't sore. (laughs) (laughs) But you made it through. Uh, yeah, well, obviously you did, but so, you know, you're, you're fighting along. Did you try to consume more calories just because of how you were feeling? Um, yeah. So you went through your fruit fruit cups even faster. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other thing was I lost, um, I dropped my sweet potatoes somewhere. So I completely ran out of calories. Oh my God. Yeah. About two miles from where I was meeting, um, my husband and my pacer. And, um, and then I saw like, you know how they'll have trail angels, they'll leave bags of stuff. Yeah. Well, it was, um, tuna and peanut butter. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm not there. Like, I just couldn't even fathom eating tuna and peanut butter. Cause you know, like peanut butter is hard to eat anyway when yes. you're running. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't do tuna. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't going to eat tuna while I was running. Cause that, that didn't seem like very appealing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you do with your sweet potatoes? Um, you know, do you, do you mash them ahead of time or what do you do? Yeah, I mix it with like chia seeds and some other okay. stuff and I mash them and put them in a baby food pouch. Okay. Do you add any type of like oil or butter or anything to kind of make them a little bit uh, easier to get down? No. Um, well, I add like coconut flakes, but no, I don't add any oil or butter because once you mash them, they're pretty, I mean, it's like baby food almost. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, nice. So chia seeds, coconut. Wow, you got a lot of good stuff in there. That's cool. Right on. And you just put it in like a baggie or? Yeah, I put it in a baby food pouch. Okay, right on. So yeah, it has uh, a little lid and everything. Um, and like, do you carry just one of those, or how many do you carry? I had, yeah, I just had one for the okay. first forty miles, and then okay. I had another one um, waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then just your other usual things, like you talked about at Pitchell. Did you still have your your Slim Jims and uh, Spring Energies and all that good stuff? Yeah. Yes, but I went through all that because um, yeah. I guess, well, obviously, you know, when you're climbing, you're burning calories a little bit faster. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, do you typically try to eat on the climbs or are you waiting until the downhills? Um, you know, what, what do you typically do or just whenever you, you can? <laughs> yeah, I just eat. Um, well, I try to eat like every hour or so. I try to eat something. I also have tailwind, but. I, I do typically eat when I'm walking or even if I'm running, sometimes I'll just stop and walk and then eat something. If, or if I start to feel hungry at all, then I'll take, you know, eat a little bit extra. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were enough climbs to where, you know, it didn't, <laughs> I didn't have to wait for too many downhills. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely tougher to eat on the uphills cause you're, you know, you're, you're putting forth a lot more effort, definitely easier to eat on the, the downhills. Cause you know, you're not, you're, you're not pumping as much blood to, to the muscles to, you know, to, to do the work. So, uh, the blood can kind of go to the stomach and help, uh, with digestion. So, um, well, cool. So, um, <laughs> you've got plenty of climbing, uh, aside from the calories, uh, and you know, you said you, you weren't feeling good when you got to, uh, you know, 50 K to go and you, you know, senior crew and your pacer, 
what was your mental state? Like, cause you had just been through a lot. You said you didn't feel good at all. You know, you, you, your calories were just depleted and you ate everything. So where, where were you mentally? Um, I think I was still in pretty good spirits. I was really, really happy to see them. I was a little frustrated because like even coming from Clingman's, you know, it's downhill and you think that you're going to be running, but believe it or not, there was a lot of ice. Um, mm. So uh, coming down from Clingman's, there's like some switchbacks and there, um, there were some runnable sections, but there was also a lot of ice, especially on the switchbacks. Did you but, have an action device? Um, no. No. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, my husband could probably tell you better, but I think I was in a pretty good mood when I saw them. I was just like, I got to get calories in. So I ate like a, a half of avocado, some banana, peanut butter, um, Oh, my ginger ale, the can had gotten warped, so I couldn't get into that. Um, <laughs> but I had a little bit of RC Cola, so I drank some of that. And um, once I got some calories in, I think I was feeling a little bit better. Um, so, so you took some time when you got to those guys and just kind of like refueled a little bit. Yeah, I didn't take a whole lot of time, but um, I know my pacer he was like, it's getting, he's like, it's cold up here. And he was like trying to rush me. I was like, well, you can sit in the truck <laughs> and warm up. While I, I said, I got to get, make sure I'm situated for the yeah. rest of this. Oh, and then um, I had some Cheez-Its that I had bought for after the run. And I was like, get, just put, put the Cheez-Its in a baggie. And I took those with me because I knew that I needed something extra. Cheez-Its <laughs> is uh, funny side stories. My my kid's favorite uh, aid station uh, story that I tell. Um, I, I got you know got into an aid station. I think it was a GDR one year, and I was just having a rough day. And um, you know the the volunteer says, "What can we get you?" And I said, "I need Jesus." And they're like, "You need Cheez-Its?" <laughs> I was like, "No, <laughs> not Cheez-Its." But. Uh, hey, that, you know what? That's almost the same, though, depending on the circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was a trip, but yeah, uh, it gave me a smile. Still makes me smile, especially when I see Jesus at the aid station. <laughs> I leave him in the sign of a cross. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, um, good. So you got refueled. Um, yeah, I'm sure you loaded up again. You know, with a uh, with water and, and food and such. Um, and yeah. you had, uh, uh, let's see, you said, you said that's about 40 miles. So you had about 37 to go. Am I thinking right? Um, it was about, yeah. I mean, it depends like, you know, GPS, GPS watches aren't accurate, but I, we had like 33 on our watches when we, in that section, when we were done, but I had already done over 40. It was like 41 or 42 or something. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so t let's talk about that back section. Um, where, where are you time of day right now with the, um, uh, it was, oh, I was way behind schedule from, uh, I think it was like three in the morning or so. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. so, um, you know, I, I picked up my pacer and then you start out, it's, it's kind of rocky that section and you're still climbing. Um, I think you're pretty much climbing until you get to Mount, I'm not sure how to say it, Mount Diet. Um, I think what, which, which one that is, but which is a pretty high um, peak as well. Um, you're pretty much climbing until you get to the last um, five or six miles or something. Like mm -hmm. you're still, it's still gradual, even if if it's not bad. It's you're still climbing. Yeah. Um, 
but because we were, I think I was at like 14,000 feet or 13,000 feet. And um, I ended up getting like another 6,000 feet after that. So I did 13,000 feet in the first 40 miles and then 6,000 in the last 30. Yeah. Um, but it was, I will say it was nice. I had not had company on a long run in so long. Um, it's like I had all this pent up conversation <laughs> that, I mean, my, my pacer, um, cause I had told him ahead of time, I was like, now look, this is, you're not going to get, um, fun run, Natalie, you're going to get 40 miles in. This is BS, Natalie. Um, and then he's like, you know, you're 40 miles in BS. Natalie isn't much different than your fun run, Natalie. Cause I was singing and talking and, you know, uh, I think I did. I think I even rapped a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to hear a sample of that. (laughs) Well, uh, it's probably going to be about as as good as your, um, when you did your, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. That's great. I'm not doing um, that. Not no. on air. <laughs> um, do you usually have pacers when you do hundred milers and such? Do you like pacers? Um, I think I have had pacers for pretty much every one. Um, the last one I hadn't planned to, but somebody at the last minute just, um asked me if I wanted a pacer. I was like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but. Usually like the last 20 to 30 miles, I do like to have a pacer. It's just, and you know, they'll tell you like, I don't really need a pacer. I just need company. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's, um, yeah. uh, I'm doing uh old dominion, um, here coming up and, um, they do not allow pacers except for an 11 mile section. Hmm. Uh, it's more of like a safety runner. Um, so that will be interesting because I am I am a social runner. I like having people around, uh, you know, like in Umstead, once my pacers came out, things just seem so much better. <laughs> um, yeah. but, you know, so that will be interesting. Um, I got lucky at UTMB because obviously UTMB doesn't allow pacers, you know, when I, I ran into Darian and was able to hike with him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it is kind of nice, especially you've been just so, I mean, let's, I mean, if we look back, the foothills trail that was solo right yeah yep and then uh we go to georgia loop which was solo right yeah yep uh massanutton was solo pitchell was solo so i mean you know these are all you know what 100k to 125k efforts uh that were were solo um and you had done a uh, 100 miler last fall which 100 miler had you done uh, no business no business did you have pacer um, yes, the last, uh, 50 K or so I did okay. have a pacer. Nice. Well, at least you had a little company there. <laughs> and, you know, GDR, um, I did not have a pacer, but it was, well, it was shortened, but it was harder. Um, so, gotcha. um, I didn't have a pacer for that. And was that the outback course? Yes. Yeah. 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 That is tough. <laughs> that is tough. Cruel Jewel, uh, as we record this, Cruel Jewel is starting today. So, mm-hmm. um, we're recording on May 14th and cruel jewel starts today. So, I mean, that's, you know, kind of similar. They go out 50 something miles and then back and that's just brutal. So have you done that one? No, but I will say the weather looks really good this weekend. I'm like, this would be the year to do it. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yes, for sure. The year I did it, it was like 85 degrees at the start and just got hotter. 
Uh, it was awful. I, I remember I had a lot of, I knew a lot of people that were doing it. Was it two years ago or so? Maybe three years ago? Yep. Yeah, um, 2019. Yeah. Right. And they were talking about, I remember Andy James Wilkins. I heard him on a podcast and he said that people's eyebrows were chafing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, my, like I had were dropping. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I dropped. Yeah, I, I, was, I was cramping at like mile seventeen. I was already cramping. Uh, I just it just got worse. I had to drop. Um, but yeah, it's you know. But I mean, they, I, to get back to the point, yeah, having having people there is just so much easier. Did you feel a lot? You know, it sounds like you you were a little bit more you know positive and and you know sounded a little bit you know stronger mentally when uh, when you picked up the paper pacer. Would you say? Oh that's yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I still felt horrible because I remember like several times, you know, I, I, I had my Cheez-Its and I remember sitting down at one point and I ate like half the bag of Cheez-Its. I was like, but I told him, I said, I had to sit down and eat because I'm just feeling like poo-poo. Um, <laughs> but I say it with a, in, you know, with a positive attitude. I'm just like, I got to, <laughs> you know, I got to sit down and eat. Or like when we were going downhill, um, when we finally were going downhill, um, I was running like a 16 minute mile and he was, He's like, he's like, you know, you can, we can try to run here. I'm like, I am running. <laughs> but, um, Thanks, you know, I did end up running like a, I did get up to about an 11 minute pace because I was just ready to be done. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, when your legs are so tired and you're so tired, I, I remember one part we were going downhill and I had to, I like to stop and look at the signs. So I went to stop to look at a sign and I guess my brakes weren't working anymore. And I just, my shin slammed right into a branch. <laughs> I was like, Oh crap. I don't have any brakes anymore. I can't stop. <laughs> but, um, and we did now the only time I got off course during the whole thing was with him. And we did, we missed a turn, uh, right before a shelter. And, uh, we got to the shelter and we're like, what? like the trail just ended you know and it took us a minute finally we asked the people that were at the shelter and they're like oh yeah you got to go back you know um and unfortunately the way back we ended up having to climb more i was like man i was really looking for it because I mean, you know it the thing says eighteen thousand feet and mm -hmm. At 18,000 feet, I was like, all right, I've gotten my 18,000 feet. I'm ready to not be climbing anymore. As you had mentioned with Pitchell, uh, you know, you said that even in this one, you still had some, some stomach troubles. Um, and where did those really start happening? Um, I felt horrible the whole time. Honestly. It was more the stomach the whole time? Uh it was just every, like my stomach, um, I had, uh, stomach issues, not just feeling nauseous, but the other way. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like a mile and a half from the start, I, I was having stomach issues and I was oh, like, oh God. God. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. And, and Klingman's dome is another, uh, 6,000 foot peak. So, you know, yeah, you did get, you did get up there. Uh, yeah. You kind of you go by Lacant, you don't, because uh, there's a, a an offshoot that goes up to Lacant, but mm -hmm. so I guess you didn't hit that one. Um, but yeah, Klingman's Dome. Did you go to the the summit on Klingman? Because you go oh, kind of yeah. right, 
No, no. You just went. No. no, I wasn't making any detours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. no view because it was at night, so mm. that, it would have been pointless. Was it? Uh, was it pretty cloudy, or was it, was it a pretty starry night? Um, no, it was really clear. Yeah. I yeah, because I remember. Um, uh, I tried to take pictures of the the moon and the stars, and um, you know that doesn't show up on a camera phone. Right. Yeah. But it was so pretty. I remember yeah. thinking that. So that that's one good thing. You know, it keeps you in good spirits when everything is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, sometimes I wish the camera could capture what you visually see. You know, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it, that drives me nuts sometimes. Um, but, okay, so you finally uh, come out, you pop out, uh, and, uh, and you're finished. Um, <laughs> any... Uh, any good stories from the finish? Um, no, but I will say, so, well, I guess it's kind of a good story. These guys come down from Hickory, like, every weekend and set up a table. So when we finished, um, uh, my husband, I don't know why, he was in the truck. But um, he, so these guys were sitting there, and they offered us beer, and they, uh, they had beer and soda and all kinds of snacks and stuff. But I didn't take anything because, you know, I knew that I had stuff in the truck and that was for the three hikers really. But they, yeah, they come and set up for the three hikers every single weekend um, and have all this stuff. They have chairs. They're like, you know, you want to sit down. Um, <laughs> and it was just, and cool. you know, they all have good stories to tell too. Nice. That's cool. Um, and they're like, where'd you come from? And, you know, I told them and they were like, oh my God, you, how long did it take you? And I told them and they were like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's always great. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. We we did the same thing with uh Art Lobe a few weekends when when we did it. We'll talk about yours next. And you know, it's it's so funny to see, you know, these hikers that they've got these massive packs on and here we come with our little, you know, vests on and where did you start? And you know, tell them, well, we started at, you know, uh, Davidson River. And they're like, when did you start? <laughs> uh, like two hours ago? And they're like, what? <laughs> I know. Yeah, two days. Uh, but um, so um, you finished that, uh, you, like, you know, stomach issues aside, uh, everything cleared up, legs kind of recovered okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I felt pretty good. Um, you know, once I got some sleep and everything, I recovered really well from that. Didn't have yeah. any issues, no injuries or anything like that. Anything um, uh, special that you you did um, aside from uh, you know your your usual just eating you know drink and such? Any other things? Did you do any type of uh, massage or anything like that? Um, let's see. It seems like I did use. I have some massage boots that I had not used in a while. It seems like I did use those this like time. Like the normal textile. Yeah. Well, they're they like the air compressed. They use yes. compressed air. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. And I don't know if they help or not, but I I did it. And if, <laughs> anyway. if, mind if, if they do, they do. <laughs> right. I use my um, my massage stick until I'm not sore anymore. I'll do it like twice a day until I'm no longer sore, which, right. Um, you know, some people and, say it's a placebo. I like it. Oh, there you are. It's just uh, it froze there. I I can edit that part, but uh, it's, you said uh, use your massage stick twice a day. Uh, 
and then it, it kind of froze. <laughs> oh yeah, that's pretty much all I said. I I just use until I use it until I'm not sore anymore. Um, and yep. some people say it's a placebo, but it in my mind it works for me. Um, I also do like I don't do it probably the next day, but as soon as I can, I try to do some yoga and stretching and stuff like that just to keep me loose. Um, yeah. And then I I told you I have my run streak. So, um, and it may only be like a mile or two, but I still go out and just keep my legs fresh. Good. Yeah. I Like I have most of my athletes do something the day after, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, we, I have a few streakers as well and they, they do their streak mile, but like most of the people that aren't streaking, I at least have them go out and do like a hike or something like that. Even if it's just getting out to walk your dog, um, you know, just to move. Uh, I think it's good to get those lo- muscles moving. Um, what was your finish time on Scar? Um, oh, it was it was just under twenty five. I think it was like twenty four fifty eight because that's what made me run faster at the end. Because I wanted to get under twenty four. That's that's typically what the goal is for most people. Yeah. And I didn't hit that obviously, but um, but I was looking at my watch and I was like, you know, I really think if I hurry, I can get under twenty five if I stop running this stupid sixteen minute pace. So. Um, I, I picked it up at the very, like, I, it's, it's amazing. I was thinking it's amazing what you can do if your mind tells you that you can do something. Like, your body will do almost anything. It's your mind that's telling you you can't do it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Like, oh, this is, oh, and, you know, because it, um, also the downhill, <laughs> it had those stupid set, like those wooden, um, like the, uh, the where yeah. the logs that go across that yeah. are set. And those are hard to get down when your legs are tired. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh my God. That's, uh, that's amazing. So you completed the, the challenge. Um, and then, um, you know, do they note that like how many people have completed the challenge? Is that I didn't get to see on the website? Did they do anything like that on the website? Yeah, he did. Um, he did. I had to nice. send him all my routes and stuff, and then he updated it on the website. Nice, that's cool. That's cool. I should come up with a buckle. <laughs> I know. Well, I guess, yeah, if you pay for it, I, I don't think that he because he already like the foothills um thing, he already sends out like they sent out a wallet when you oh. do the foothills trail and um you know and you know they ask for a donation but yeah. i mean i would pay for a buckle if they give me a buckle for doing right. it says i did the brutes challenge i would pay yeah. for it yeah that's awesome yeah i'll talk to charles <laughs> 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 i think that's worthy i think that's worthy um super cool well congratulations on that um, and then for some reason you felt like you had to go do out and back on art lobe. <laughs> yeah. So while we were running, me and my friend Ben, we were talking about maybe going and doing art lobe. I don't know what made us talk about this, but I was like, you know, that's only a hundred K. We could probably do that. Cause he, he was talking about how good he felt going. He called me ultra granny, by the way, <laughs> cause I have, I have a granddaughter and he, so he's like, yeah, I could do ultra granny pace. <laughs> and, um, so I was like, oh, well, you know, we could probably do it, you know, like sometime in May or whatever. That'll give me a month before I have a, a 24-hour race coming up in June. And um, so then, yeah, I was like, I just was looking at the weather and, you know, looking at my schedule and everything and came up with uh, the week, the Monday after Mother's Day to do that. <laughs> and uh, and how'd that go? <laughs> Um, it didn't go very well. I, I felt really good, but 
I changed some stuff up, which I know they say don't change anything on race day. And this is like a race. Um, I hydrated a lot more than what I normally do. Like I just drank a ton of water and I should just sit with what I normally do. And then um, I think the altitude was getting to me, but also I just, um, I decided instead of carrying my sweet potatoes and some of my regular stuff, I would carry just spring energy. Um, and spring energy doesn't really have a lot of electrolytes. <laughs> um, plus, I didn't think it was going to be that warm. It was all, it was supposed to be a lot cooler than it was, and it was supposed to be rainy. So I planned for like rain and overcast and cooler temps. But it ended up being really warm, sunny. Um, it was very, very humid. Like within, I don't normally sweat that much, but within the first mile, I was soaked. Like mm. from head to toe, I was completely soaked. And I was, and you know, and I felt really good. I felt good until I started climbing up to pilot, and that's about mile thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I am not feeling so hot. I started feeling dizzy and lightheaded and um like my legs still felt good the whole time but I just was feeling dizzy and lightheaded and just not good Mm. um and at that point I was thinking at first I was like okay I'm just gonna stop at the scout camp and I'll have the 50k I'm still unsupported you know whatever I'll, it'll be a good train and run for whenever I do. I, Cause I knew I was going to come back out and try it again at some point and I will. But then I'd, I'd like text my husband right back. And I was like, you know what? Just pick me up at the parkway at, um, balsam not, or black balsam. Mm-hmm. Well then he, I never got a response. So I got to black balsam. I'm like, crap, screw it. I guess I'll just go on to the scout camp. <laughs> <laughs> But then, like, um, you know, coming down, especially and going over any rocks or anything like that, my feet started cramping. Um, And then that's when I really was thinking, you know what, it's got to be my electrolytes because my feet were cramping. And then my abs started cramping, um, running like when every time I would try to run, my abs started cramping. So I was having to walk a lot. And um, yeah, so I felt like. I felt good, like my legs felt good, but I was clearly my electrolytes were off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because I always tell people, you know what causes cramps is muscle fatigue. It's not dehydration or anything. Well, I swear, I you know I'm gonna have to eat my words because I really think it was um, electrolytes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. And I just and I normally carry pickle juice and pickles when it's warm, but I I didn't carry that, so. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> well, uh, you, you know, like we talked about before, if we started recording, uh, you you'll you'll come back and and give it another go. I'm sure. Um, yeah, but, I'll uh, actually train for it. Like I'll um, once I finish racing in November, I'll just uh, create my like you know train for it. Like that's a race sometime in 2022, and then right. and and do, give it a. Like not have all this stuff under my belt already, because I mean I've I've just been doing back to back to back to back, yeah. and um, <laughs> yeah. so I, I probably just need a rest. <laughs> Which I mean I wouldn't say it was a rest, but thirty miles is a lot less than sixty. It is. It's half. 
So yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad I quit because as soon as I stopped, like, or like the, the whole rest of the day and even into the next day, my, every time I would move my feet a certain way, my feet would cramp or like when I went to turn to get something out of my bag in the back of the truck, my back cramped. And then my, my groin was like, everything was cramping. So I was just thinking, man, could you imagine if I went back out and I started cramping like that while I'm, you know, heading back out, like right. I could have gotten stuck in a really bad situation. Ugh. Oh, I, you know, I'm glad you stopped (laughs) the wise decision. Um, no, you know, you said before we started talking that you have, um, black mountain monster coming up. Uh, is that the 24? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, shooting for a hundred. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm hoping to get over a hundred. Okay. Are you you shooting for the course record or? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. the last time I got a hundred, I was a mile away from the course record, and I didn't know that, so I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I wish you luck there. What else is coming up? Um, that's it. Um, I I may do a, a race in at the end of July. That's just it's a forty-two miler kind of stupid. Well, I wouldn't say stupid, but it's a local race, and. Um, the, yeah, you don't really get anything. You get beer at the end, which I don't even really drink. Just, what, what's that one called? This, is that the? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the okay. steepest. The steepest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Cool. And uh, maybe Iron Mountain. Um, I'm thinking if, if they have it this year, I would like to do maybe the 30 mile or Iron Mountain. Cool. And then um, as a, like a train and run for no business 100. Okay. So. Cool. Nice. Awesome. Well, uh, as always, you know, it's, it's always fun to hear about your adventures and I wish you well at, uh, at Black Mountain Monster. Um, and, um, you know, you've, you're, you're great on, on social media. Um, what's the best way for people to, to find you or connect with you? Um, well, my Facebook, I, I think it's just Natalie Hensley Daniel. And then my Instagram is Nate dog ultra runner. Um, <laughs> I believe it's two G's like Nate dog, the rapper. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not on Twitter or anything like that. So, um, Facebook and Instagram, I do have, if anybody's local to me, like in Charlotte, I do have a trail runner page, uh, trail runners of greater Charlotte. Um, so. And you're on Strava too. Oh yeah. I'm on Strava. Um, it's just, I think just Natalie Daniel, so I'm not that hard to find on Strava. <laughs> I'll so, put those and, and, in the notes. Yeah, tell people feel free to stalk my Strava if they want any routes or anything like that. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't care about. I don't make my route secret or anything. Yeah, cool. So, well, thanks for sharing the story, Natalie. It's always fun talking with you. Um, and congratulations once again on finishing that that brute challenge. That's amazing. Thank <laughs> you. And it's good talking to you. Thank you. So awesome to talk to Natalie. Um, she is racing the Black Mountain Monster uh, next weekend. So this episode will come out on Thursday, May 26th. Uh, and uh, the Black Mountain Monster, I believe, is June 5th. So good luck to her. And congratulations on finishing the Brute Series once again. 
what a tremendous effort. Just really cool. Um, she had some unsupported FKTs along the way. Just uh, you know, such a, a neat, neat, neat thing to do um, with such beautiful courses. Um, you can find out more about the Brute Challenge. I'll post the website on the show notes. Uh, and next up, we have Charles Raffensperger, our creator of the Brute Challenge, and um, and also just <laughs> an amazing gentleman with uh, with so much experience uh, that he shares in this interview. Uh, he's also one of the co-founders uh, of the uh, Eat Clean, Run Dirty publication, um, in which uh, we had Jessica on. Uh, Jessica is, uh, is is the editor in chief and uh, <laughs> and and proprietor of, of that uh, magazine. Uh, I'll post that episode in the show notes as well. Uh, but I'd be remiss to say that uh, Charles does a lot for our community, as you'll hear in this interview. So here's my time with Charles. I'm welcoming to the show today, Charles Raffensperger. Charles, it's good to see you, man. Um, we were catching here. up. We, uh, we, we started recording, but... Um, you know, I, I definitely want you to kind of introduce yourself and and uh, and all the good stuff about you. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm married to uh, a wonderful woman, Psyche Psyche Raffensberger, Psyche Wimberly, formerly. Uh, I, I have a house. I have kind of a weird personal situation. I have a house in Atlanta and a house in Black Mountain, North Carolina. So. For another year or two here, I'm commuting back and forth. Uh, but I, uh, I've got four children, four grown children, six grandchildren. Uh, I've been ultra running. I've been doing ultra marathons for a long time. Uh, kind of a weird uh, segue into just the past. I, I did my first ultra back in 1989. It, there was a 24-hour race for the that the Atlanta Track Club held. Oh, wow. I had just gotten into marathons and uh, thought it'd be kind of cool just to see how far I could go in 24 hours. I didn't actually run the whole 24 hours. I only did about 14 and I did almost 50 miles. And, and you know, after that experience, uh, I stayed really just on road running and so forth for really almost another 19 years. And I didn't know anything about running on trails. I didn't really even understand people ran on trails so kind of got into the ultra running world in uh by doing a a half marathon a trail half marathon called the granite grinder back in 2008 and loved it and just gravitated towards not only trail running but longer trails so that's kind of a little little bit about the history my history of getting started in the sport and getting involved in some of this stuff and so when did, um, when did running really start for you since, I mean, you did a 24 hour in 1989, when did running start? I, I really start, I only started running, uh, it was about the mid eighties, 1986 or so. Uh, you know, and I was what 20, well, not quite 30, 28 years old. Um, I never ran in high school, uh, you know, other than just, you know, running for fun or just, you know, playing touch football with my friends or whatever. But I never ran in high school. Uh, didn't, you know, I, I only played a couple sports, a little, little league baseball. And uh, uh, I was on the tennis team at high school. But, uh, you know, I started running uh, 
well, I was kind of getting out of shape at that point in time in the, in the mid eighties and, you know, gaining some weight, getting out of shape. Cause you know, I've had a desk job for all these years. And, uh, so, you know, I noticed, uh, some friends of ours had, were running the Peachtree road race. They had entered the Peachtree road race. And it was at that point in time, you know, up until then it was, you know, not that big of a deal, but in the mid eighties, they were starting to add, you know, thousands more people were starting to run it, the peach tree. And, uh, and I thought, well, gosh, if they could, you know, if, if this, you know, friend of mine and his wife can run it, you know, why couldn't I? And, uh, you know, I started literally just, you know, running around in my backyard because I was embarrassed to go out on the road and, you know, finally got the courage to, you know, put a pair of shorts on and get some real shoes and get out on the road and run around my neighborhood and, lo- you know, love the feeling and, uh, you know, started in- entering some 5Ks and 10Ks and halves and that sort of thing. So that whole, you know, whole history of getting into running was, you know, really, really just started with the peach tree. And I, and I did. I think I ran I think I ran four, three or four peach trees. OK, right on. And what was the reason um, that, you know, were you. Uh, just conscientious of, of yourself at the time that you were running in your backyard. What, why was that? Yeah. 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 Just self-conscious, you know, self-conscious, you know, I just, I didn't have, I didn't even have a pair of running shoes or even tennis shoes at the time. I had a pair of uh, leather work boots that I ran around. (laughs) I put a pair of like cut off jeans in my work boots. (laughs) <laughs> it looked like the village people <laughs> yeah yeah so anybody that saw me back there would go like what is that nut <laughs> he ran he just ran around his backyard 50 times <laughs> so, oh my god uh, you, were, uh, you were kind of an ultra runner uh, quarantined before the uh the yeah 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 that was my ultra running back then <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic um and so um, the 24 hour that you did, uh, that was, uh, was it like a road uh, 24 hours, a track or how, how it, what was that one? That was actually on a high school track at okay. a high school here in Atlanta. Uh, and the Atlanta track club used to have, a, you know, a, a group within the Atlanta track club that was basically an ultra running group. Mm-hmm. And they put on this 24 hour race every year. And, uh, they up until that year, they had run it at the Atlanta Waterworks. That was their uh, main location. And for some reason that year, I think they were doing some construction or something. You know, there was a, I, you know, I guess a big kind of dirt path around the Atlanta Waterworks. So they couldn't hold it that year. So they, they moved it to this high school. So, you know, it was just a typical 24 hour, you know, a typical time race thing where, yeah. You'd go, you know, four every four hours, you change direction on the track. Right. And, uh, you know, that, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was a, you know, it was just such a different experience, you know, running at that time, you know, running, running that distance. I had no idea what I could do. And by the end of that thing, you know, without having trained for it, you know, and I mean, I was doing some marathon training, but without having really specifically trained for it, my legs just felt like lead. I could, you know, I could hardly move my legs by the end of the, by the end of the day when I got off the track. But the one, one, one cool thing about it, just one really cool thing about it is there were several people in that race that are still doing ultras today. Nice. Uh, like Rich, Richard Schick, mm-hmm. uh, Ray Krolowitz. Yeah. And, uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Richard Westbrook. Okay. So there, there are three guys there. I think Richard Schick 
He, he did like 129 miles that day. <laughs> so, and that, you know, there were only like probably 50 finishers or something like that. And, or, you know, 50 people that did it, you know, so yeah. it was a, you know, it was a neat experience, but That's cool. <laughs> I, didn't re- I didn't revisit ultras again for like literally another 19 years. I did, I did some road marathons and stuff like that, but did it, did it leave a negative impression on you or you were just like, ah, this isn't for me right now. No, no, it, it was really more just, uh, I was just too busy. Life, life was just too busy with, with kids and work and everything that was working a lot of hours. And, and, you know, back at that time, I mean, there were only a smattering of ultras around the Southeast right. and, you know, I mean, really you'd have to plan a travel vacation to go to any of the other races, you know, there, I mean, there were probably only what, you know, eight or 10 races that at most, Mm-hmm. So it, it would it would have been a whole lifestyle change, and I just couldn't do it. You know, I could do, I could pick out a couple of marathons because there were more marathons at the time. You know, especially lo- around the Atlanta area. So right on. And so, nineteen years down the road, you you found yourself um, signing up for another ultra. Well, yeah. Well, I yeah. Nineteen years. Uh, well, this was back in two thousand eight. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a list of races. He knew I did, you know, did five Ks, 10 Ks, you know, and up to marathons. And he sent me a list of local races. And I saw one on there that was on trails. And I thought, oh, that'd be interesting to do. It'd be something different. I had never done that before. So I did that one. And at that, uh, at that, you know, you know, I loved it. I love the experience of running on trails so much, so much different than running on roads, but the a couple folks from the Georgia Ultra Running and Trail Run Society Guts, they had a little they had a little tent there, and they were passing out information about joining the Guts group. Hmm. And so, and I, I you know looked up their information. I joined the, ended up joining the group, and I saw that they had a they were putting on a a marathon called the Mystery Mountain Marathon up in the mountains. So I signed up for that, and. Well, technically, it's a marathon distance. I, I, you know, I call it an ultra because it had like seven seven thousand feet of climbing or something like that, you know. And uh, so I did that race that you, you know the following October and of the same year, and that and I was just hooked, you know. I mean, it, you know how it is. Like it's a miserable. It can be a miserable experience when you're, you know, you yes. know twenty five miles in or whatever. Yeah. And then you finish it and the, the exhilaration of knowing what you just did and just, you know, that you, you finished that, you know, something like that was just, it was incredible. And I just started looking for more races in 2009. I did a few more, did my first trail 50 miler uh, at Lookout Mountain. And then 2010, I just really ramped it up and I was racing, you know, a couple races every month, every three or four weeks, uh, so, <laughs> and I, you know, I don't do as many right now, but I'm still, I'm still out there trying to, trying to do some races, but yeah. that was kind of the, the genesis of the whole thing. Kind of what got me started. Nice. And forgive me, did you have any hundreds under your belt? I did. I did one. I, I have successfully completed 100 miler okay. and that was, uh, at the Bart, there was a, there was a race that they don't hold anymore called the Bartram 100s. Okay, in uh, Milledgeville, Georgia, and uh, so it, it, it was basically it was a hundred k. You could do either a hundred k or a hundred mile. Okay, depending on the amount of you know the number of loops loops that you did, and okay. uh, 
so I, yeah, that, that back in 2010. So I did that hundred miler and then I have since attempted several more hundred milers. I attempted Penhody a couple times. Okay. I have, I have a couple, <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a whole collection of DNS. <laughs> like I attempted Penhody a couple times. Uh, didn't fit, you know, got the mile 55, 65, uh, I attempted grindstone the year before last and got to 80 miles. Okay. Um, I think there's some, I think there's at least another one in there that I attempted, but those are the main ones. Yeah. But you know, so I'm, I'm going to attempting grindstone again this year. I'm going to go out and see, see if I can push through the whole way. <laughs> uh, and you, you had mentioned your wife is, is she also running grindstone or? No, no, she is, uh, and you know, and you know, Psyche, she's, she's, she's done a fair number of ultras herself in the past. She is not currently, uh, she's running a little bit, but she's mainly, she's kind of transferred over to doing, uh, strength training, uh, weightlifting and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So, and we, we we still get, we still get out and run occasionally, but. Right. She, uh, she's one of the lucky ones to have, uh, to have, lined up at Barkley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, uh, did she, did she make a loop? She made a loop. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. made a whole loop. Well, you know, so we had, we have an interesting little Barkley story that cause in 2011, I did a loop at Barkley. Okay. Um, and we, <laughs> and so tw- 2012, we both, we both, both went back out there and, and she did a loop. Um, so, and we have kind of weird stories about, uh, you know, our, our time up, our time there because. At, at Parkley? Yeah. Well, we, you know, we, <laughs> we, were, we were both on the wait list, you know, it, um, both, both those years, we were both pretty, pretty far up, up on the wait list and gradually moved down. And so I was in 2011, I was the I was the first one on the wait list and we decided, you know, it was like our third or fourth and we decided to go up there anyway, you know, even though I wasn't, wasn't in the race at that time. And so we got the, you know, we, we camped, you know, we set up camp there and then literally Friday, Friday afternoon, uh, Laz came around and said, Hey, guess what? You're in the race. And, you know, cause the, the guy in front of me was a guy named John DeWalt and his wife had passed away that week. Oh. So it, you know, it was a sad, uh, tragic way to actually get right. in peace. Yep. Uh, and then the following year, Psyche was up on the wait list. She had the same exact situation. She had moved down to first on the wait list. And that Friday, uh, but she was right behind, uh, well, the guy that was actually in the race was Louis, Louis Escobar. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Born to Run, you know, yeah. or, you know, he's out in Cal- California. That was the same week that Micah True passed away. Uh-huh. So Lewis dropped his spot in the Barkley to go hunt for Micah True. Uh, and, you know, so it was another, it, it's a really a tragic story, but that's how Psyche got in the race. But, uh, but yeah, the, yeah, 2012 was crazy because they, you know, they filmed the documentary there and she's in a little bit of footage of the documentary and, yeah, it's Bar- Barkley's a whole other animal. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it, and it's it's every it's the question on everybody's tongue when you say that you run ultras, right? Like, have you run Barkley? 
And you know, that, of course, my answer is no. And then their next question is, are you going to run Barkley? And my answer is still no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like I, I did it once or, you know, I attempted it once. I I don't have any desire. Yeah, well, I, you know, back in the back after that year, I actually put my name in a couple more times. A, you know, a couple of subsequent years because I thought, yeah, I, I I want for whatever reason I had the desire to go back there, and then <laughs> uh, you know, and then one one of the years I would have gotten in it, but I got dreadfully sick that week, so I you know, I ended up having to just close up my camp up there. Yeah, you know, I'd gone up, I actually gone up there and set up campsite, and then I had to bail in. Uh, so I, I went to a motel there in Wartburg <laughs> and then, and, you know, and then just and emailed Laz and just said, Hey, I'm, I can't do it. You know, I'm just, I'm yeah. too sick, you know, give, give somebody else my spot. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I, I understand that, you know, people's want or, or need for that push themselves, you know, to a challenge. Um, I think in my perspective, like a hundred miles is challenging enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I, I come from a track background. I'm, you know, I was a speed guy, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not a hundred mile a guy, you know, I, I do it, but I do it because I'm still learning it. And I'm, you know, it's, it's one of those, like, I don't know if I'll ever master it, but like, you know, I, I just, I progressed to that part of my career where I'm like a hundred miles is a challenge, you know, yeah. every time it's different. So, but like Barclays, it's just kind of, it feels like it just goes to that next notch. It's like, yeah, you know, you could consider it like a, you know, a hundred miles, but it, I mean, in effort wise, it seems like it's more one of these 200 milers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, you went on the loop, like, you know, talk about your experience there. And I'm, I know this is kind of off topic, but oh, I, I no, think no, that's okay. And people would love to hear about it. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, well, the, so the year I was in it, uh, it was the first basically night, completely night start hmm. you know like he blew the conch shell at 1207 p.m oh. or a.m excuse me hmm. and so we started at 107 in fact you know like and i you know i i'm a bad i'm a really poor sleeper anyway so i don't think i got any any sleep before i heard the conch shell and yeah you know, people started getting ready and i actually missed the start so i didn't i didn't even get to see him light the cigarette i i got, I got out there about two minutes late when everybody was like already started off down the trail and and i was i guess at the time too this is well this that was in 2011 you know so in 2010 i had run a lot of races i that was i had finished that first hundred miler i or my only hundred miler uh a couple months before that, a couple months before I was, you know, put my name in for the Barkley. And so I was, I was confident and cocky and I thought, you know, Hey, how, how bad can it be? You know? And like a dummy, uh, you know, we got up there a few days before the, you know, a few days before the race, we didn't even go out on the trails and I, I didn't even, I didn't even, you know, <laughs> get to even see what any of the trails were like, much less the layout of the whole park and where the various <laughs> are, the mountains and so on. You know, like oh, I, I just thought, well, I can tag along with somebody and, you know, and, and I can and I can do do it that way. You know, like, I mean, they they tell you to find a veteran. And so, you know, you start out so start out in the middle of the night and you know, you're on, you're on some trails and, 
Well, the other thing is I had broken my arm on the foothills trail two months, two months before that. So I had gone through surgery, you know, and I have a, I have a plate plate in my right wrist basically. And so, uh, you know, that, that kind of came into play where some of the, some of the more technical or the more uh, difficult sections, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to chance re-breaking my arm. So it kind of slowed me down a little bit, but, you know, so you go up and, you know, you're on, you know, what, what they call where he calls candy ass trails, you know, the first, the first part of it. And, I, you know, it was okay. You know, I mean, that, that part was okay. Uh, I, I, after the first book, I didn't have any problem finding the first book and I got in and I had one trekking pole. Like I was kind of a dummy at the time too. I don't know why I didn't have two trekking. I had one trekking pole attached to my pack and shortly after the first book, I had noticed that it had dropped off. I had lost my trekking pole. Oh, no. And uh, so, I mean, that was one thing. That was one weird thing. And so I finally, you know, I kind of came, uh, I went along, I, you know, I found a group. There was a, a group of, you know, like there were five or six of us that were kind of going the same speed. And that was nice because there were a couple, there were a couple veterans in the group, like Fro- Frozen Ed, you know, uh, Ed was in the group. And, uh, so he, you know, he's obviously a veteran cause he's wrote, written a book about it. Book. Yeah. I have the book. And, uh, so, you know, we all, we all kind of navigated around together. You know, there was always somebody in the group that could kind of figure out which direction to go. Mm. Uh, and you know, the, the story that you hear, you know, people, uh, you know, virgin scraping is, is actually, it's kind of, a, it is kind of a real thing. It's not, you know, it, it's not intentional. It's just that people, you know, people are just in a hurry to get their page out of their book and, and run on and, you know, go on to the next one. So when you get to a, when you get to a book page, I was always the last one there. And, you know, I'd pull out my book page. And by the time I would pull out the book page or, you know, there was a water stop there too. pull out my book page or fill my bladder with water. The rest of the runners were gone. <laughs> and it's, you know, here's in the middle of the night and, you know, there's, you know, I didn't, I didn't memorize the directions, you know, you have the directions written down, but, you know, good Lord, the, I mean, the directions are like, you know, f- five pages, single, single <laughs> type, you know, and they're, and they're, yeah. and they're so specific, the directions are really, really specific, you know, look for this tree that has, you know, four trunks and it's on, it's on the right, it's on the right side of the Creek that you're standing next to, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, so I, so I got scraped once and I, w- I started panicking. So I, you know, it was like along a dirt road section and I didn't know where the other runners were and I was panicking a little bit, you know, I didn't know which direction to go on the road when I came back to the road, you know, do I go left or right? I didn't know, you know, you know, thankfully I chose the right direction and, you know, whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, we also had a, we had a hail storm. There was a thunderstorm that came over. So we had hail that night. Yeah. You know, and there's a, you know, the, I mean, the infamous like son of a bitch ditch, you know, so we were going through that right when the hailstorm came up, came through. Yeah. And right at the same time, I, my, my calves started cramp, cramping up. So, so I kind of, you know, I had several of these kind of quintessential Barkley moments. So I'm laying in the ditch with my calves cramping in a hailstorm <laughs> in the middle of the night. 
You got the full experience. Yeah, yeah, I got the whole. I got the whole experience. You know, I I got my money, my dollars, two dollar, and what <laughs> <laughs> in in flannel shirt or whatever it was at the time. Oh, and then let's see. So, you know, I, f- I followed her up around with a group and we got to the base. There was a book. There was a book at the base of the testicle spectacle climb, you know, and it's a, it's a power, you know, it's a steep power line cut. And there's prior filled kind of like rat jaw. And um, we got to the base of that climb and I was the last one to pull the page, my, my page out of the book. And by the time I had pulled my page out of the book, the rest of the group had already gone. You know, they had already started up the climb. and because I'd had that broken arm a couple months before that, I, you know, I just wasn't as fit. I couldn't, I could not catch up to them up that climb. So I just fell back and I was on my own really for the rest. Of, you know, that was like fourth, that was about halfway around the loop, I guess. And so I was on my own after that. And it's a whole different, it's a whole different story when you're trying to navigate that course on your own. And, you know, you know, the thing that, you know, you know, people see these elite runners, you know, uh, you know, Jared Campbell and so forth, you know, that have finished it. And I'll tell you, I, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't think any elite runner could finish that course under the time limit on their own, Not just because of the navigation. It just takes too much time. You know, you have to get, you have to get out the pages, you know, you have to get out your directions and you have to look at the map. And, and the thing is, you don't want to go too. You don't want to go fast because you don't know exactly what direction to go. You know when you're on the off trail sections. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you go too fast out, you know the wrong direction, you've gone way farther than you should have, and before you realize your mistake and have to come back and then go out another direction, you know, or you know find the next kind of waypoint. So. So that was, you know, that was kind of an issue. And I, I knew at that point, you know, it was, it was going to be a, you know, it was going to be a challenge. So, I mean, the long story short is I never, I finished the loop, but it was, it took me 19 hours to do it. And I got all my book pages and everything, but, you know, by the time I got back, it was almost dark again. Yeah, I'd taken all day, you know, yeah. all, all day to, to get back. And, uh, but I also had, you know, just, uh, I had a crazy adventure down near the prison, like the last, the last little section when you're, what is basically you're going down rat jaw. You, you had climbed up rat jaw and uh, there's a water, you know, there's a water, there was a, a water kind of a, you know, he had water jugs at the top of that. So I was up there with a couple people like H- Howie Stern was up there at, the, at that time. Howie and I hit the top of that together and I, so, and then they, the, the couple guys, Steve Durbin too, they fought, they, they went off before I could. And then, so I was on my own again, going down rat jaw and I got down close to the bottom. There's a really steep section where, before you get to the prison and the prison tunnel. And I knew I, I had to get down. I had to literally get down my butt and slide down a little <laughs> section. So as soon as I sat down, uh, there was, I noticed a snake. I, I sat down almost right next to a snake and he was really aggressive. So, and I, and I had, I going back to the first part of the story, I had my trekking pole now because one of the other runners had picked it up and oh, nice. <laughs> carried it to me and gave it to me at the top of Ragile. But anyway, so 
I'm literally like, as I'm sliding down this little steep slope, I'm beat, <laughs> trying to beat this snake off of me with my trekking pole. Oh my God. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And then you get down to the prison tunnel. And so the, the problem I had at the prison tunnel was how do I even get up? And cause you have to climb up into it. It's not like you can just walk in it. You have to kind of climb or, or jump over to the little, ledge that leads you into the tunnel and because i had that broken arm i didn't know how to get into the tunnel i was like afraid of grabbing something and swinging over you know i finally grabbed like there's an iron gate that you could kind of i could grab the iron gate swung (laughs) myself over you know so i didn't put too much pressure on my arm but goodness but yeah so yeah and the rest of the loop was you know just tough you know you go down the uh, what is it? The zip line, they call it. Zip line was terrible. You know, just, just, you know, a lot of brush and debris and, you know, you know stuff like that. But, yeah. but, you know, you, you finish up and, you know, and they play tap, you know, they play taps for you and it's, it's kind of emotional really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that's amazing. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, and so, um, you know, obviously <laughs> you've had some great experiences. That's tremendous. Uh, and, uh, you know, our, our conversation is we're going to start focusing on the, the brute challenge, Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, uh, you know, you, you came together. When did you have the idea for this? I guess we should start with, um, you know, we've Natalie and I have talked in a previous episode, but, um, how did you bring this all together? And, and when, when was that, that you brought this all together? Um, you know, actually, I can't remember exactly when it was. Uh, it seems like it was maybe about four years ago or so, three or four years ago. And I think uh, the impetus for it or the idea for it, somebody had posted something. I, and I, if, if, mem- if I'm, my memory is correct, I think it was somebody had posted a question on the uh, East Coast Trail and Ultra Runners face- Facebook group. And, so, and they basically were saying, you know, why isn't there, you know, there's there's these different grand slams, ultra running slams, like the Grand Slam of ultra running. Yep. And there's a there's a Midwest Slam of hundred milers, and there's the Grand Slam, and I don't know if there's any more, but so somebody said, well, what would you if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to put together a, an East Coast Slam what race, you know, what would you do? And I started, mm-hmm. and I started thinking about that. And, um, you know, I thought, of, I thought of various hundred mile races, like, you know, maybe mountain races or maybe a mix of different kind of East coast races, like the, you know, the keys 100 be kind of a cool thing to have in a, you know, a slam, you know, four or five, four or 500 mile races and spark started putting together just some, you know, just some combinations of races like that. And, I don't know if it's, I think somebody mentioned to me, like, you know, why does it have to be a race? You know, why can't it be one of these trails? And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, you know, that, that's actually a cool idea because, you know, I know personally I've done, you know, some of these, you know, parts of some of these trails or even, you know, whatever. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool. And I started thinking of some trails and came up with this list of, you know, kind of iconic but, you know, not just trails, but runs mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that are popular for people to do 
that, you know, are outside of any organized race, you know, uh, they may or may not have FKTs, you know, or whatever associated with them. But I thought it'd be kind of cool to put together a list of races that, you know, is a, is a slam that was, you know, like a kind of the unrace slam, you know, these are <laughs> just some cool trail runs that people get together and do. And, uh, the uncola of ultra running. Yeah. 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 And started, you know, and thought, well, you know, it's, 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 these are all on the Blue Ridge and it's, it's kind of cool because they're, you know, there's kind of distinct states. So you've got one in Virginia, you know, you've got Massanutten yep. and the uh, Pitchell in North Carolina and Scar, which is kind of like, a, you know, you could, you could say that's in Tennessee. Yep. The Foothills Trail in South Carolina and then, uh, and then the, the Georgia Loop is one I had not thought about. And I think Jason Green uh, suggested it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because it's, it's kind of a popular one down here in Georgia. Um, yeah. People do. And uh, and just, just the name just kind of came together. It's like Brutes is the Blue Ridge Ultra Trail Endurance Slam. <laughs> so, and, I, you know, and I just put it I just put it out there and I really didn't know if anybody would ever you know, you know, attempt it, uh, attempt to do. And the, and the thing is too, I, you know, I wanted to, to make it a little more challenging. It's, you know, to finish all of the, this, those five, those five trail runs, uh, to do it within a calendar, you know, to do it within a year, to do, yeah. in a, you know, a 365 day period. Um, and, and if anybody, any, anybody does it outside of that too, I'll, I'll add their name to the website. It's just, it's just kind of cool. It's just kind of kind of a cool, uh, you know, off offbeat kind of a challenge. Yeah, I I was thrilled. You know, like the first time I heard somebody, you know, uh, my friend William Wells. Uh, you know, I I was just absolutely thrilled when he messaged me and said, "Hey, I'm gonna," t-, you know, I I saw your brutes challenge and I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> William actually texted me today. Um, oh, awesome. it, yeah, uh, I was, I was actually just looking at the results page. Um, you've got, uh, let's see four finishers thus far. Yeah. 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 Uh, yep. So William was, w- William was the first one. Right. Uh, then you had Greg Reeves. Right. Uh, Kimani Long. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Natalie, obviously Natalie Daniel, who, you know, we've, we've got along with this podcast. Um, when let's see, William completed it in between 2018 and 2019 looks like yeah 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 he started about midway through 2018 yeah and then actually greg wasn't too far behind right yeah Uh, just a few months behind yep and then kimani was uh 2020 Mm -hmm. um and natalie between last year and this completed it um which is i mean that's that's fantastic it's really cool um we were talking, you know, b- before we started recording about, you know, like the distance on this, um, you know, I, I said, what if somebody could string this together in, you know, back to back to back efforts. And then I looked yeah. at you know, what, what that would entail. We're talking 339 miles uh, <laughs> and an insane amount of vert. Um, it's, I mean, I like, I didn't even do the, the computations on the vert, but I mean, we're, we're talking like, you know, probably upwards of, I would guess, you know, over, like a hundred thousand feet. I mean, it's gotta be, you know, yeah, easily. Yeah. Between the five of them. Uh, so it's, I mean, it, it would be some kind of 
that would be an amazing accomplishment if somebody did that, you know, uh, kind of like what we were talking, we were talking about John Kelly's grand round over in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so, um, um, but, uh, you know, amazing picks for sure. Uh, was there anything that you thought of that maybe didn't make the list? Um, well, you know, well, when I was trying to think about it originally, uh, you know, I thought of, you know, I thought of, uh, I guess, trails like the Bartram trail, and uh, mm-hmm. there's, there might have been a couple of others that I was, you know, I had considered. But then, I, you know, I started thinking the Bartram was like, it's it, it's like 111 miles. and I only, I only know of like two, maybe three people that have run the run that trail, you know, in a continuous mode. Mm-hmm. You know, not, I mean, there's a lot of people that hike it for sure. But, uh, you know, and I, you know, that that's kind of. I kind of threw those, you know, longer, those kind of longer distances out, you know, cause I thought these, these are just kind of just, they're right in the sweet spot. You know, they're, they're really challenging. They have a lot of, a lot of elevation, a lot of vert and they're, they're just in that sweet spot of, you know, something that's really challenging, but maybe not too, you know, not exceptionally hard, you know, for somebody to go out and do, you know, a bar trim or something like that, that, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I have actually finished one of them. I've done the Foothills Trail, but I've only I, and I've only done parts of what, three of the other ones. I've done about half of those. But I've, I know all of the trails. I've been on all the trails. The only one, as I was telling you earlier, the only one I haven't I've never set foot on the Massanutten Trail. But that just seemed that just seemed like a, a no brainer to add because. You know, I know there's a, they do a ring challenge up there. You know, I mean, there's a Massanut one, there's the race itself, the Massanut right. But, yeah. but there's also a group of people up there that do the ring challenge every yep. year. Yep. So I thought that, you know, that really kind of fit right in there with all the other ones. And, it, and it's cool too, because it adds another, um, you know, Blue Ridge State. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. Virginia. So, yeah. Um, has anybody kind of chimed in and said, have you thought about this one? I haven't really heard, you know, I haven't really heard it. I really haven't heard that much chatter outside of the people that have actually, you know, done the completed this, these four people or, or a few other people. I have heard from a few other people that have, you know, had messaged me and said that they wanted to do it or they've started to do some of these. Mm -hmm. And I can't really think like, there's a guy named Jerry, Jeremy Peterson. I think is he's done a couple of them, but um, you know, so yeah, I really haven't gotten any other suggestions for anything else to add to it. Uh, so I think I, I first recognized it when Kamani did it. Um, Cause I think I even believe you posted, right. That he yeah, had, yeah. 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 So I think that's when I first became aware of it. And then, um, you know, Natalie, when she finished, Massanutten, I think it was because she had to make two attempts at Massanutten. Somebody else actually said, you know, this would be an interesting conversation. And that's when I started really kind of like looking at what this entailed. Um, it's a great creativity. I love it. You know, um, I think, like you said, it, it does. It makes a, a brilliant kind of summation of some of the, you know, classic and best routes in uh, in the Blue Ridge. Um you know, and, and I think probably the most famous of them is, is becoming Pitchell. Like, Pitchell I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like everybody in their, you know, and their kid wants to <laughs> complete Pitchell. I know, uh, I know. So, uh, you know, fantastic route. Um, 
yeah, like I said, love all the choices. I love that it's in different states as well. Um, have uh, has anybody said like you know would you ever come up with like a buckle for something like this for completion? Um, you know, I thought I've thought a lot about trying to do maybe not a buckle, but something else, something else unique, uh, some mm-hmm. kind of you know, and I and I I still might, but you know, kind of, I think on one of the pages of the website, you know, I said something like, you know, you're, you know, the reward is basically doing it, you know, just in, in the actual effort, you know what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, we've got, I don't know, I don't know if you know about the foothills trail thing too, but the foothills. Yeah. 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 If, if anybody that runs the foothills trail, uh, they'll get a BMF wallet. Uh, I don't know if you know the whole, <laughs> that, that little that little nugget, but that's cool. But so you know, if if I did anything for this, it, it'd have to be something that was a little offbeat, maybe not a buckle, but just something something else like that would be completely unique and out of the box. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. Maybe like a flask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. A BMF flask. <laughs> <laughs> That's tremendous. Um, so, and that was, I, I guess, like another question I was going to ask you, you seem to have more of an affinity for the foothills trail. Where did that stem from? And, and, you know, talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. So back in, well, back in, back in 2010, uh, I hooked up with, hang on one second here. Yeah, sure. No, I, I met some people through, some ultras in South Carolina. There, there's a lady named Terry Hayes that mm-hmm. used to live in South Carolina. She's in Florida now, but she put together a series of uh, ultra races up there. And I had gone up to there to do one of them. And I'd started to get to know a few of the other people in that kind of, in the scene of doing those races. And a couple of them, uh, Dan Hartley and Jason Sullivan had, talked about wanting to run the foothills trail. That was a big goal they had that year. And, uh, and I knew a little bit about the foothills trail. I had read some, I had read some race reports some blog reports about the Laurel Valley run that you race that they used to do up there every year. Claude Sinclair used to put together, you know, I mean, every year in August, they would have this Laurel Valley race and it's, and I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. There's 34 miles of trail up there that's really not accessible. You know, like you start and you're for 34 miles, you're on trail. And, you know, until you pop out at the other end at the trailhead. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And then so I got in with this group of people. And and actually, my wife, Psyche, was one of them. You know, we invited her to join the group. And so we did... Uh, and that was actually where I'd liter- we literally met each other at one of the, those group runs, my wife and I. And uh, so we did some we did a series of training runs, you know, so like we wanted to experience parts of the trail just to, you know, to get familiar with parts of the trail before we attempted the whole thing. And uh, so we did these series of training runs. And to make a long story short, we scheduled our attempt to do the whole 77 miles of it in August. And it turned out to be the hottest day of the year. And we had, it, there were what, six or seven of us that started it. None of us finished it. And I, I got, I got about halfway in and I came, I got 
this total case of heat exhaustion, you know, and it was lucky it didn't really turn into heat stroke. I was probably just, uh, you know, just a hair away from just going into full on heat stroke. And, uh, you know, and then, and Psyche had a terrible experience. She got off trail at one point and then got lost and she was on the trail all night. And uh, so we had this kind of crazy experience, but that kind of led to some additional attempts, you know, that were semi-successful, you know, several more times. You know, I, I attempted the Foothills Trail four times and, you know, so I had the heat exhaustion. I had another time where I had horrible cramping in my legs that just took me out of it. I had to, I had to get off trail. Yeah. Uh, at another time where my heart rate was just going berserk, you know, I got 60 miles in and my heart rate was right, you know, just super high. And I just didn't think it was prudent to continue. And then the other time was the time I, when I actually broke my arm on the trail. So I had to, had, didn't, didn't make it the whole way that time either. So so anyway, you know, on the fifth, the fifth, I did I, my fifth attempt was back in 2014. I actually finished the running the whole trail that time, but so I had this, you know, long history of, you know, you know, we would get together on the trail, and you know, Psyche and I would go there for just training runs a lot of the time, and uh, so I forget what year is uh, not too long after that first attempt. Uh, you know, one of, one of our friends who did it, Jason, or Jason Sullivan put together a website to, he wanted to track, you know, uh, finishers or, you know, he wanted, he wanted to track all the run attempts on the trail. So he put together a website and then it got to the point where he, he didn't have time to maintain it. So, so he, uh, he passed it over to me. I, I volunteered to, to take over, to take over main maintenance of the website. So, so basically anybody that runs the foothills trail or, you know, uh, or even attempts it, you know, they can, they can email me or contact me and I'll, I will record their times on the website. So it's, yeah, it's kind of cool. The website's got a bunch of information about it. It's kind of an old school website and, uh, you know, but it's, that's kind of where my connection with that trail came in. And it's a, Foothills Trail is great because, like I said, it's got it's got a variety. It's got such a variety of different things. Like, yeah, you know, you go up and over the highest point in South Carolina on the trail. Is it yes, yeah, Sassafras Mountain. Yeah, uh, you know, it's got a bunch of well, it's got several waterfalls that you you know you should run by. Or, or stairs, ride, right? what's it? There's just a few stairs, right? Yeah, just a few stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody, I. I, I don't know what the total count of stairs or steps is on that trail. I'll find it for you the next time. I- it, it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's over 5,000, I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Sam, Sam Reed, you know, like uh, he was on the podcast. I recorded with him when he did his uh, unsupported FKT. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he talked about the, the amount of bridges and stairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the most notable, uh, you know, of, of the whole journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well it's, it's kind of crazy when they designed the trail, you know, when they designed and built it, they didn't use switchbacks for a lot of, you know, a lot of places. They just cut stair, you know, these wooden steps into the side, into the side of the mountain. So you're going, you know, and I guess, you know, what, I don't know, I don't know why that, you know, they designed it that way, but 
yeah, it's, it's quite challenging. And, uh, you know, it's like I joke to a friend of mine, uh, uh, well, a friend of mine, Kim Russell, I got a shout out for her. She did, she just did a 102 mile run through from Jones Gap State Park, or actually even east of that, all the way over to Oconee. So it was, it included a big chunk of the foothill, most of the foothills trail. But uh, I joke with her that when, because I paced her for part of that, I just joke with her that we, uh, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to go up anything. I don't want to go down to, you know, because you go down and the, there's a lot of gor- gorges that you go down into and cross, across the river. You know, they get they, these incredible bridges that they built, these incredible suspension bridges over the rivers. You know, you get, if you're going down, you're going to climb right back up, you know, so it's like, I don't want to go down, I don't want to go downhill anymore. You yeah, know? you know, because you're just going to go right back up. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. It's, it's the, the way of the world, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it's a beautiful yeah. trail, you know, it's got a big section along the Chattooga River, too, which is really pretty. So, yeah, you just fell in love with that trail. You know, I mean, it's very different. You know, you know, the Mountains to Sea Trail that's part of the Pitchell course is it's beautiful and it's, you know, it's gorgeous in its own right. Yep. You know, and all of them, you know, the scars, you know, it's got it part of, you know, that's all that Appalachian Trail. And, yep. so, yeah, they're all they're all pretty, uh, you know, they're beautiful and iconic. <laughs> yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and you've you're tremendous in, in giving back as well. Um, Charles has been and his wife have been the captains for uh, aid station one at Hellbender. So every time everybody reaches star gap, they, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're smiling faces yeah, uh, yeah. at 5am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I can't appreciate and thank you guys enough for, for being a part of that. Oh, well, that, that's a, that you, that you put together that Hellbender is just wonderful. I mean, that's just an amazing course you know i can't i can't imagine i mean the, the people that do that it's you know I, I after we ran that aid station i came we came back out i came back out later and just watch you know people just to hang out see people finish is yeah. so inspiring well yeah. it, you know it's it's as i always say it's it, it's it's an army right like i mean you know brandon thrower had the the vision of the course you know i i just had the vision of putting something together here in western north carolina and mm-hmm. It took a, a numerous other people for for this to to transpire. So you know the evolution of this race is just tremendous, and I'm I'm glad that we're working on 2022. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Looking forward to that. That'll be great. Me too. Awesome. Me too. And we're, we're hoping to have a uh, a more consistent date going forward, uh, where we can secure that weekend. Uh, it's going to hopefully be the first weekend of May every year. Uh, is is what we're going for. Oh well, yeah, and, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're trying and, um, you know, Camp Greer is trying to um, get that trail, but um, the trail is going to, you know, it's going to take about $75,000 to cut. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to try to raise some funds uh, and help that, that cause so that we can run right out of Camp Greer and finish there as well. Um, But um, yeah, I know it's, it's exciting. I'm really glad you guys are a part of that because it's, you know, it's the community that makes it so special. Um, But, um, you know, and, and I hope more people, uh, we'll take on this this challenge. It seems to be that, you know, with races coming back, there's still so much action that's not at races. Like people are still going for, you know, challenges like this, FKT, yeah. or maybe it's just 
um, everybody's kind of seen a new side of things where, yeah, you don't necessarily have to pay for a race to have mm -hmm. an amazing experience. And, you know, the great thing about these, as, as Natalie has proven, is that, you know, you can do this on any given weekend if you're feeling good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, so I, I really appreciate the fact that you've come up with something like this. Um, I fear what to, what you may think of next. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, like I've heard talks about, you know, making kind of a grand slam of uh, having, you know, Hellbender, Eastern States, uh, Grindstone and uh, Cruel Jewel, those four. Oh, yeah, that, that would be. That would be a heck of a grand slam. You know? <laughs> I mean, man, to do those in one calendar year, I mean, gosh, because, yeah, you would hit Cruel Jewel first. Well, no, technically it would be Hellbender, but then right after that, you're going right into Cruel Jewel. So those are almost back to back. Those would be the same month. That would be enough in and of itself right there. And yeah. then, uh, you know, midsummer is Eastern States in August. And then you cap off the year in late September, early October with grindstone. So got a little bit of recovery, you know, there for number three and four. But I mean, you know, if you're going back to back, you know, hellbender to, to cruel jewel, I just I would pray for you. I can even imagine, <laughs> yeah. Have you done any of those other ones like Eastern States or I've done Eastern States. Yep. I tease the race director all the time because he came to do Hellbender and uh, did not finish. Uh, but I do have my shiny Eastern States buckle. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we joke all the time. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing course. Super challenging, super hard. Uh, footing is, it, you know, it's notorious for Pennsylvania. It's Rocky. Rocksylvania, they go. Yep, Rocksylvania. <laughs> yep. So I do have my Eastern States buckle. Um, I cramped up, uh, much like you've been talking about at Cruel Jewel in 2019 prior to UTMB. I had to drop pretty early. I don't know what was going on, but at 17 miles, my legs just started spasming. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to drop out there. I have, uh, Grindstone was actually my first hundred. So I've completed that one. And, uh, you know, obviously Hellbender is so young at some point I would love somebody to, you know, just take over for the day so oh, I can yeah. go play in the mountains and run Hellbender. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't foresee that happening at any time soon, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to run Hellbender and get that buckle as well uh, at some point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, to do it in one calendar year, that would be, you know, uh, man. Whew. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, would be awesome. that would be awesome. There are so many cool things, especially here on the East coast. And, uh, you know, everybody's coming up with something harder every, you know, every, uh, every year. Just, you know, yeah. Just, yeah. Yep. There's some really creative people out there and, and just willing to do some cool stuff. So, uh, I'm appreciative for that, for, for our sport and, and seeing, you know, new routes pop up. I think it's, that's really cool too. You know, just, uh, like, I, I love the fact that we kind of see what, you know, people are doing around the world mm -hmm. and try to replicate that, you know, as, as we were talking about, you know, earlier with the loops, you know, like, um, Bob Graham that, you know, when John Kelly did the, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like having something like that, like that would be something epic, like here in, in North Carolina to have like a loop, you know, yeah, just like, yeah. Uh, some kind of um, mountainous loop, hundred k ish distance. I've always, you know, you can you can see the you know people listening can't, but I've got the topo maps. On, I see, on yeah, I see those. So <laughs> I, I constantly I'm scouring, you know, to you know, try to make some kind of epic loop that would just be, you know, it's not a race, it'd just be, you know, like just you know that kind of like the the Bob Graham loop uh -huh. you know, something to that effect. So, uh, well, I, you I'm know, you can wait wait a few years. They're doing that. 100 miles of trails and hickory nut gap or hickory yeah hickory yeah nut oh yeah i you know around lake lure <laughs> right but so i you know I, I tried to think of something that might touch like kind of the um 
you know, the, our, our portion of the mountains to see, but then loops into the Smokies and back. And it's just, it's hard because there's so much in between. Yeah. You know, there's not like a connector. So, uh, but that would be pretty epic to kind of, you know, to make a circuit like that. And uh, supposedly they're, they're making new trails um, that will be in that corridor and might start making connections. But, you know, again, this is, you know, all down the road and a lot of hearsay, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for, for those trails to go in. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't think people realize what, it, what it takes for new trails to happen. All the, yeah. um, you know, the studies and I mean, not only archeological, but they do the NEPA studies to make sure that there's no, uh, kind of flora or, you know, or fauna that would be disturbed. So, I mean, there's all these things that have to be done to make sure that like, they're not disturbing any sort of, you know, um, uh, living, you know, right. or historical, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's an amazing process. So, um, but man, uh, anything else that we didn't touch on that you wanted to to talk about? No, no, I'm good. Yeah. The, and the challenge, the challenge is out there. If anybody yeah. Wants to- yeah um, I will put the, the website in the show notes again. Um, and, uh, is there anything that, um, uh, anything else I should put in the show notes? How can they reach out to you? Is there a contact? I, I believe there's a contact on here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, they, you know, people can message me through Facebook or or my emails. Just okay. My my name, first name, last name at Gmail. Okay. Uh, and there and there is if they go to the foot. Well, actually, I think there there is contact information on the brute site. Yeah, I've got my email. I've got a an email on there. The foot okay. of the trail ultras email. Okay, I, and I have the I wrote down the Charles. Raffensperger at gmail.com. So I'll put that in the show notes for folks if they want to reach out, if they have questions or, you know, um, you know, want to get more, more information. Yeah, um, great. And yeah, I mean, you got a great site here. Um, the, you know, the, like, uh, when you go to results, um, you know, especially under Greg Reeves, it has all his Strava activities. So you guys can click on his links and, and go to his Strava, um, um, uh, uploads and kind of get the course and session you can actually download gpx files from there and i'm sure all of the apps uh if you go onto those there's the routes are probably on like all trails and and all that stuff yeah, so, prob- probably yeah, I yeah. um any uh any words of advice for those that are are looking to take on the challenge um <laughs> well, <laughs> just just be prepared for a lot of climbing, you know, <laughs> a lot of climbing training because each, yeah. each one of these things. Yeah, it's each one of them have a substantial amount of climbing and, and you know, just make sure to, you know, I just I would caution anybody, especially if, you, you know, if you're doing it solo, just make sure, you know, you have either a way to track you or, you know, if something goes wrong because, you know, maintaining the foothills trail site, too. You know, I, some I'm, I tend to be a warrior for people. You know, like I think somebody's going to go out there one of these days, and they're going to be totally unprepared, and they're going to have an accident, or they're going to get lost. And okay. you know, and some of these places, like you, you know, even on the foothills trail, that's there's some remote areas up in northern South Carolina. Oh, yeah. that, you know, if you if you get off trail or if you get on going the wrong way on some old logging road, it's gonna it's gonna take days for people to find you. So just be safe. Yep. and enjoy it. Good. Well, Charles, I really appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I look forward to, to catching up in person at some point soon. It's been yeah, we will, for sure. 
<laughs> awesome, buddy. I hope you have a great time and a great night. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Hey, thanks a lot, Aaron. It was good talking to you. As I said, Charles, just an amazing gentleman. Really loved uh, our conversation. That was it was really fun, and and hearing all his stories and such. Uh, amazing guy. Thank you, Charles, for all you do. Um, really awesome, amazing things. And the brute challenge is is definitely something that uh, I would love to do at some point. Um, it uh, just those courses are amazing. Um, I have not done a majority of them. Uh, Pitchell is the only one that I've done. Uh, so the other four are on my bucket list. So to get them done one year, that would be pretty amazing. So, um, but anyhow, thank you, Charles. Um, today I really, uh, here in the conclusion, just wanted to focus on, uh, on one thing. Uh, and it was the sad news of the, uh, the 21 people that died in China, um, in the hundred K. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this news and, uh, the reason I bring this up you know, not only as a, uh, a service as a reminder to those that died and uh, a tribute to them and their lives uh, and, you know, um, love and prayers, obviously, for their families. But as a reminder to, to us, you know, uh, we get so frustrated when races cancel because of weather or whatever the, the factors may be that goes into the cancellation of the race. But there are reasons. And, uh, you know, uh, not to make an example of this, but it, it, it is uh, it should serve as a reminder that there are dangerous conditions and, you know, we do not want to see people get hurt or worse die. Uh, that is, so as race directors, we have to keep your safety, the runner's safety at the forefront. And that's why, you know, races get canceled from time to time. You know, I've, I've had to do it, postpone races. Uh, and, you know, I, I get the the frustration. I do. I understand. I, you know, I want to run races too. And when it gets canceled, like, yeah, I'm bummed, but don't take it out on the race director. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're doing what's safe for you. Um, now, you know, I, I, it will be interesting to see what details are, are shed as to, um, why these people were even put under these conditions. Um, you know, uh, it, you know, the, the directors made the decision to go forward. Um, you know, I know at UTMB, uh, um, you know, weather has caused the, um, the race to, to, to change routes, um, and shorten, um, the race itself just because of, uh, snow or, you know, or, or freezing temperatures. Um, they make, um, you know, they make people wear, uh, certain gear for, for winter. There's a, there's three different kits, summer kit, um, the regular kit and the, uh, the winter kit. So, I mean, there are precautions and, uh, I, you know, I really hope that, uh, that races see this and take it seriously. Um, because sometimes a race just shouldn't go on. And, um, you know, that's, it's not my opinion. It's just the reality for the safety of everyone involved. Um, so, you know, again, my heart goes out to the families and those that have lost someone, um, you know, in this race, um, my prayers for those that have died. Um, and just, uh, I'd just be remiss not to, to bring this up and, and kind of just make us all aware, you know, that we have to be careful out there. We have to be prepared. Um, my newsletter will come out, um, next week, beginning of June here. I wrote an article, um, about being overprepared. Um, and it was actually before this event even transpired. I, I wrote it for Pace Magazine and, uh, it was about my, uh, my, my recent run on the Art Lobe and how overprepared I was. 
Um, but I've been on the opposite side of it. I've been underprepared. Um, you know, Bighorn, for example, the Bighorn 100. I was extremely unprepared, and I just suffered through the night. You know, and it was, uh, it was just lack of preparation on my part, um, and you know, lack of proper gear. Um, it was, it was cold. It was in the thirties, um, rain and hail, uh, lightning, thunder. It was everything. And, uh, thankfully I had a rain jacket, but I just didn't have a good base layer and I just shivered and suffered that whole night. Um, it was, uh, you know, my feet were wet and cold and I just, like I said, I did not prepare properly and I did not bring the gear I needed. Um, so just, you know, we need to take these things into consideration, especially in these longer events. Um, and, you know, summer's no different. It, it's hot. We have to be cautious and be prepared. Uh, you know, we should always have fluids with us in this hot weather um, and be cognizant of how much we're hydrating you know, during the day and afterwards. Um, stay on top of your fluids. It's 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 really hot out there, and and we need to be really careful about how we you know how much we do in the in the heat, and how bo- how our bodies are acclimated to the heat. You know, as it starts to heat up now, and we're not as accustomed to it, um, we need to gradually reintroduce ourselves to the heat. You know, and be, and be careful uh, when we're doing our long runs, and how much uh, heat exposure we have, how much sun exposure we have. Um, as we train for events that are in these heat, um, you know, these hotter months, uh, you know, work on some heat acclimatization. Um, the, uh, I always tell my athletes about like, you know, using a bath as an immersion. We don't all have access to saunas. If you do, that's wonderful. Um, probably only need about 20 minutes in a sauna a day for, you know, two weeks and then give yourself about, uh, you know, probably five to seven days, uh, before the race where you stop and just, you know, make sure that you're, you're good, hydrated and and ready for the event. But, um, you can use a hot bath and just kind of soak up to your neck, uh, keep the water warm, just stay in there for 20 minutes. And an immersion bath is, is, is really, it's a, it's a great acclimatization to the, uh, to the hot weather. Um, so you can do that at home. Just keep that water warm, tolerably warm. Don't obviously don't burn yourself. Um, but, um, yeah, just, you know, be cognizant of the, the conditions that are, uh, that are presented to you. Um, you know, know what's going to happen, uh, when you go to a race, like what are the possibilities and bring the gear for it? You know, like, um, I, have got old dominion next weekend, the hundred miler. And I mean, yeah, I'll have a rain jacket packed. Um, I'll have a long sleeve just in case. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I know it's going to be, um, it's supposed to be 80 or, or over 80. Um, but we have some thunder and lightning, you know, um, at, you know, at Umstead, it was the same conditions. It was supposed to be 80. Uh, we ended up having some thunder and lightning and through the night, people just got cold. They just started shivering. They, you know, their, their body temperatures just, um, dropped because they were just wet and, and, <laughs> and not prepared for the conditions. So, um, don't let these conditions affect your race. Um, and, and don't put yourself at risk. You know, um, everybody worries about you. I'm sure all of you received, um, messages from your friends that don't run, um, about the, the 21 people that died. Um, and you know, that's, that's them worrying about you. You know, I mean, sometimes I know we feel like, oh man, yes, I saw this, but you know, look at it in another way. They are saying that they care about you and they don't want something to happen to you. Um, so, you know, people, people, they're, they're reaching out and, and kind of showing your love and, you know, um, some may be just asking your opinion and what, you know, what, what happened here? What do you think? Um, but you know, don't just brush it off. Um, you know, 
just kind of take a moment and, and appreciate the fact that they uh, they took the moment to, to recognize and thought about you. Um, but again, um, love and prayers for those uh, you know in China, um, for those that passed. Um, I, I know it's a, a somber moment and a, a hard way to, to end the podcast, but um, my respect for, for all those folks involved in that. Um, I hope that uh, I hope that uh, we got, we can all um, learn from it and, and move on and, and actually make differences um, so that this type of thing doesn't happen again. But um, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, and uh, next episode, um, I have Corey Keen. Corey is uh, um, he's an amazing runner. Uh, qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon uh, without ever running a marathon. <laughs> and unfortunately, he didn't get to go to the trials. Uh, but we're going to talk to him. He just won the Quest for the Crest 50K. Um, so we're going to talk uh, not only about Corey, but also about uh, how uh, how to train. Um, you know, what's the difference between training for a marathon and a 50K if you're looking to step up? So, um, really can't wait for his conversation. Um, also have a conversation with, uh, Michael Harms. Uh, Michael Harms is, um, he's a friend from the, uh, runner's world cover search. Uh, when we did the, uh, the, the, the uh, runner's world contest to be on the, the cover, um, Michael and I were, were two of the five male finalists and, uh, Michael is awesome. He runs with his son. His son is a quadriplegic, um, and Michael adopted Donald, uh, his son and runs with him. Um, you know, Michael, uh, will be running old dominion. It'll be his first 100. Um, uh, Donald will be there in support. I can't wait to see both of them. Uh, but we're going to talk about, uh, his expectations and how his training went and, uh, everything leading up to, to old dominion. And, uh, and then we're going to have a, a post run interview and talk about how things went and, um, you know, what, what he experienced, what he learned, what he, what he did differently, uh, what went right, you know, all that stuff. So I really look forward to, to catching up with Michael and, uh, and hearing from him. So, yeah, lots coming up. Um, you know, got got some some great guests. Uh, and as always, if you want to be a guest or know someone, uh, want to hear their story or hear more about them, by all means, please you know reach out. Let me know. Um, I, I'd be happy to have uh, you know conversations and ideas. Um, but um, you know, thank you as always to everyone. Um, and uh, until next time, keep running, my friends. Wrote this song while Crew and Aaron on a 100-mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? to go 
Coming, rain is coming, can't give a thing. 